The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome. Triple Eight Nine Hundred Thirty Three Ninety Three. Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, we've been talking a lot the last couple of days, certainly, about uh, the Trump administration and the situation they're in this week and the indelicate press conference. Then, of course, they get uh, Sean Spicer back out on a media tour because he's got a book coming out. <clears throat> and so he was asked about standing up and lying for Donald Trump and whether or not he felt used. Um, here's what he had to say. This is somewhat interesting. Is the president a truthful person? I believe so. You never felt like he had you hmm. go out there and stick your neck out for claims he knew to be well, there, false. There were, I mean, look, he's the ultimate salesman. I think he talks about it in his books, how he uses uh, hyperbole to sell mm-hmm. issues. And, and that's how he is. He's a salesman and a negotiator and a businessman, first and foremost. But do you okay. regret sticking your neck out for some of his more outlandish de- claims look, that were proven I, I want- to be false? I'm thinking about, for example, the inauguration <laughs> crowd size, the three to five million fraudulent votes during look, the election, there- having <laughs> tapes of Comey in the Oval Office. I mean, those are three examples of things that are now known. I appreciate you keeping it to three. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Strange admission there at the end. (laughs) I appreciate you keeping it to three. Wow. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, That's fascinating. I think we can all agree. And she just mentioned three of the most obvious. Easily, instantly, provably false lies that he was supposed to tell from the podium. And he did. And they were ludicrous lies. It was silly to try to, to try to do that because it's so easily provable that they were, in fact, lies. But why is the media all of a sudden so obsessed with a lying administration? Are you kidding me? They never asked uh, Robert Gibbs if he was embarrassed by the lies every day. Or... The other two, whose names escape me at this particular point, was Robert Gibbs. There was uh, Wait, how quickly we forget Ar- Ernest. Yeah, Josh Ernest. Josh Ernest and Jay Carney. There you go. There you go. Uh, so those are the those are the threat. They lied through their teeth every single day. Every single day, and we caught them over and over and over and over again. The president himself lied over and over and over and over again, and. There were there was no media curiosity. Do you feel used getting up there and lying to the people every single day? You, they had to defend this. You can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. If you like uh-huh. the plan you have, you can keep it. If huh. you like your plan, you can keep it. And you like your doctor, right? uh-huh. you won't have to do a thing. You can really? keep your plan. If it's you nice. like your health care plan. Can I keep it? You'll be or, able to keep your health care plan. All right. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. I, if you like your health care nice. plan, I you do. will keep it. So I can keep plan. it. I if see. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you, you like could, your plan, you, you can keep, keep your doctor. doctor. You, you can, can keep, keep your plan. plan. If you have insurance that you like. Then what happens? I have to give it up? You will no. be able to keep that insurance. Oh, I'll be able to keep it. If you I like see. your doctor or mm-hmm. health care plan. Right. Can you I can keep it? Keep it. Okay. If you like your health care plan, 
What would I do? Keep your health care plan. Oh. If you like your health care plan, yeah. you can keep your health care plan. Okay. So he said it over and over and over and over, and we all know now. Total lie. Seven million people liked their health care plans, could not keep their health care plans. Let's not forget $2,500 savings per family per year. It was just the opposite. And that was the average. That was the average. <laughs> It went up uh-huh. more than $2,500 per uh, year per family. Yeah. Uh, Single-payer system. How about that lie? A single-payer health care plan. Uh-huh. Universal health care plan. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see. Oh. But as all of you know, like we to may see not that. get there immediately. Uh-oh. Because first, we've got to take back the White House. Okay. And we got to take back the Senate. But they're headed that direction. Single-payer health care plan. That's what he has in mind. I have not said that I was a single-payer supporter. Um, no, okay. Here's another lie. How about the lobbyist ban lie? I'm in this race to take, mm-hmm. tell the lobbyists in Washington that their days of setting the agenda are over. Are over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. They, they have not funded my campaign. No. They will not work in my White House. Good. They <laughs> will not work in his White House. That was week one. Was that a lie? I'll make our government open. Um, yeah, that was a flat-out, uh. bald-face lie. Um, and it was proven to be a lie because there were 64 lobbyists in his administration, at least at one point. 64! He had dozens and dozens of lobbyists working for him in the administration. Another stinking lie. Uh, Fast and Furious. First of all, uh, I think it's important for us to understand that the Fast and Furious program uh, was a field-initiated program begun under the previous administration. Hmm. When Eric Holder found out about it, he discontinued it. That's unbelievable. Uh, The Fast and Furious program, in actuality, started October 2009, nine months into the Barack Obama presidency. October of 2009 was not the previous administration. It was the current administration. He just wanted to distance himself from that debacle. Hmm. But he couldn't. It was his program. They ran the guns. They're the ones responsible. And then one of the biggest lies of the entire administration. That is what we saw play out in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. There's a crude and disgusting video. Video. Crude sparks and disgusting. outrage throughout the Muslim world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I have made it clear that the United States government had nothing to do with this video. Okay. Yeah, well. And I believe its message must be rejected by all who respect our common humanity. What was also clear was the video had nothing to do with Benghazi. Nothing. Absolutely zero to do with Benghazi. I mean, those are only five or six lies off the top of your head. That one is so fun because other than maybe four immediate family members of the guy who put that video together, hadn't even seen that until they brought that up. Right. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. I mean, it was, they lied so much that it, it, you couldn't keep track of all the lies. Uh, and now they're casting aspersions. Well, don't you have a problem lying for this president, Donald Trump? He lies. Are you, why didn't you care before? Why did you, it, proven lies over and over and over and over again that they, they couldn't have cared less about. They didn't have any interest in any of it. 
and you never saw afterwards Robert Gibbs being asked, wow, don't you feel like you're used by Barack Obama? You never saw Jay Carney being asked that question. You never saw Josh Ernest being asked that question. Because none of that fits their agenda. Only the Trump bashing fits their agenda. So agonizing. And it's so obvious. I don't even know how they get away with it all the time. How is it possible? How is it possible? (sighs) I hate getting uh, this fired up just 11 minutes into the show. Or unleashed, if you will. If you will, and I think you will. Mm -hmm. 888 Speaking of the left and uh, how ridiculous they are. You know who actor Mark Duplass is? Yeah. We've, we've had him on yeah. Glenn's show before. Are you going to break my heart? No, no. Oh, he's, okay. He's actually doing really cool things. Mm-hmm. He's, but he uh, actually tweeted out something nice about Ben Shapiro. So he's been in shows like The League, The Mindy Project, Togetherness, and Goliath. I don't know any of those, but there's a lot of numerous uh, numerous indie films. He's, he's a filmmaker and an actress. Well, here's what he tweeted out about uh, Ben Shapiro. Fellow liberals, if you're interested at all in crossing the aisle, you should consider following Ben Shapiro. I don't agree with him on much, but he's a genuine person who wants to help me for no other reason than to be nice. <clears throat> he doesn't bend the truth. His intentions are good. Okay? That doesn't seem terrible. Um, but wow. <laughs> the crazy came raining down on him afterwards. Um, look, to drop the snark, Mark Duplass seems like a kind and smart guy who made an error that many, many people make, which is assuming that people who are nice to them are nice generally and then not following that up with research, but just passing it on. Now, what research have you done that shows what a terrible person Ben Shapiro is? I'd love to know. Uh, actual liberal, liberal here. Get the F out of here with this garbage take from hell. Uh, uh, okay. Um, then Mark Duplass deleted his Ben Shapiro endorsement. Uh, but this guy mentions that he's been on this path for a while. And then he mentions this tweet from Duplass. I think I just agreed to go to Africa with Glenn Beck. Thanks to the blaze for having me on and helping find that common ground. Here's a guy who's really trying to search and, and think about, Hey, can we come together on something? Is it possible that we could be nice to each other? But the left doesn't want anything to do with that. Another reply to Mark Duplass. It's always white men who think crossing the aisle is just about respecting a difference of opinion or willingness to be open-minded. A lot of us have our lives and human rights put in jeopardy by the horse poop people like Ben Shapiro promote. But cool, an a-hole was nice to you once. I wish I had the energy to drag Mark Duplass, but I met a, my quota of arguing with guys who look like this at a liberal liberal arts college 10 years ago. Good gosh. Uh, dude, here's another response. Dude, he, speaking of Ben Shapiro, he's an unrepentant white supremacist who wants women to be chained to the kitchen and the poor to rot. Well, I mean, the kitchen thing. You might not be that political, and that's fine, but know you're being duped by, like, a major league goon if you follow him. Wow. Okay, 
where give me one piece of evidence of any white supremacism from Ben Shapiro. What are you talking about? A white supremacist who wants women to be chained to the kitchen. How the hell did his wife get out and become a physician? How did that happen? Hmm. Did somebody leave her the key? Did somebody sneak in and unchain her from that kitchen that Ben had her chained to? He's got a doctor for a wife. Yeah, and, and how is she getting credentials at a hospital? They don't let women do that. <laughs> Just is that white supremacist? Absolutely not. Wants women chained to the kitchen? Absolutely not. Wants the poor to rot? No. Just doesn't believe the government is the best option, maybe, to take care of them. How about that? I'm kind of torn when liberals... These people are are just the worst. Yeah, I'm kind of torn when liberals go out, uh, you know, into Mm. Insaneville like this. Because, on the one hand, it's just like, are you kidding me? On the other hand, it's like, nah, keep talking. No, keep painting your side like that. it does show who they are. Go for it. It does show who they are. They certainly can't complain. They can't claim the high road, the tolerance road, the inclusion road anymore. Not at all. 888 let us say you just got a threatening letter from some bank that you don't even recognize. Their foreclosure on your home is being announced to you now because you've made zero payments on your $100,000 equity loan. Except the problem is you never took out the loan. Somebody who stole your title took out the loan without your knowledge. Now, I showed yesterday... How easy it is, because the people at Home Title Lock uh, put this together as a demonstration for me. They went online, mm-hmm. and they did the trick that, that these people do to steal your title. And so all they did was get the deed and copy it off and then start filling in some information where I lived and all of that. And then forged my signature. Now, I was looking at the f- signature, and I said, how did you get my signature? Oh, we just had somebody in the office do that. <laughs> like, it I couldn't tell it wasn't mine. And so, had they been the actual ruthless idiots that do this stuff all the time, they would have taken out some huge loan uh, uh, against my home, and then I'm responsible for it. And then I'm losing my home because I can't afford it. Home titles and mortgages are now stored online where thieves, foreign and domestic, hunt for them. Super easy. They did this, I think they said, in... A matter of minutes. So once a thief controls your title and mortgage, he controls your home. Now, they don't necessarily even want your home. They just want the money. And these are huge, huge transactions that they get done uh, with the title to your home. It's not like they're, you know, stealing credit card information and then, then, you know, try to buy something for 500 bucks. This could cost you $100,000 or more. So they just borrow using your equity, leave you in debt, or even sometimes they've sold the home right out from under the homeowner. No bank, identity theft program, or insurance protection from this. You know what it does? Home title lock. They put up a barrier around your home's title and mortgage. The instant they detect any tampering, they're on, helping to shut it down. Find out if you're already a victim of title fraud. Get your $60 search free with your sign-up. At HomeTitleLock.com. Go there now and check this out because this is one of the fastest growing major crimes in America today. HomeTitleLock.com. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Gray Unleashed. I'll make our government open and transparent. Remember when you did so that? that? Anyone can yeah. ensure that our business is the people's business. Right. Because when I'm president, yeah. meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public. No more secrecy. Yeah. That's a commitment I make to you as president. Fantastic. No more secrecy. When Excellent. there's a bill that ends up on my desk as president, uh-huh. you, the public, will have five days to look online. Man, that was fun, wasn't it? Looking at all those bills that were up for five days before they went out for a vote. <laughs> Terrific. And I remember those were good times. I remember the good healthcare times. debate that uh, Paul Ryan and company had to beg and plead publicly for them to be televised. Those yeah. little discussions. Uh, yeah. I mean, just from beginning. One to- lie after another. Find out what's in it before I sign it. Uh-huh. Shovel-ready transportation projects already approved. Shovels are breaking ground, and mm. cranes dot the sky. Dot Shovels the sky. will soon be moving earth. Trucks will soon be pouring concrete. Mm-hmm. You said this once or twice, but it bears repeating. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can, you can keep, keep your doctor. doctor. You, you can, can keep, keep your, your plan. plan. What we do know is that, is that? Uh, the mm-hmm. natural uh, protests mm-hmm. that uh, arose because uh, of the outrage over the video. The video, right. Good right. And those shovel-ready products or projects, remember all those shovel-ready projects? Sho- shovel-ready was not as... Uh, Shovel ready as we expected. <laughs> Remember how funny that was when he said that? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we lied through our teeth all the time. Every day. Just a few more Obama lies for you. It's kind of fun. Just catching up a little bit and reminding you how much we miss that guy, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. Triple Eight. 93393 it do, it does serve as a reminder no matter how bad that press conference was the other day with Putin and I thought it was pretty bad uh it could be worse it could be this stinking guy back in office yep cuz for 8 years it was worse uh so I mean that was almost unimaginable horror every day <laughs> <laughs> unimaginable horror Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and yet we still are hearing from him, his uh, officials. We had John Brennan babbling nonsense all the time. Now John Brennan, what a terrible CIA director he was. I mean, absolutely atrocious. And for him to be saying what he's saying now, fortunately, we've got Rand Paul calling him out for some of this stuff. But here's Brennan and then uh, Rand Paul's response. What Mr. Trump did yesterday was to betray the women and men of the FBI, the CIA, NSA, and others, and mm-hmm. to betray the American public. And that's why I use the term that this is nothing short of treasonous, because it is a betrayal okay. of the nation. Right. He is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Good Senator Rand Paul, member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee Center, good day to you. What do you think about what John Brennan's doing right now? Let's start there. You know, John Brennan started out his adulthood by voting for the Communist Party presidential candidate. Now, did you know that? No, that's awesome. I When I heard that today, I was like, whoa, wait, what? We didn't even have that information when Brennan was, was head of the CIA. I didn't know that. Started out his political career by voting for the Communist Party nominee. That's amazing. 
He's now ending his career by showing himself to be the most biased, bigoted, uh, over-the-top, mm. hyperbolic, mm. sort of unhinged uh, director of the CIA we've ever had. And Thank you. really, it's an insult to everything about our government to have a former head of the CIA calling the president treasonous just because he doesn't like him. But realize that Brennan, wow. you know, I filibustered Brennan. I, I tried to keep Brennan from ever being the leader of the CIA. Mm. But realize that Brennan and Clapper uh, are known for wanting to expand the authority of the intelligence agencies to grab up everyone's information, including Americans. And so I don't have a lot of respect for these people, even before they decided to go on hating the president. I disliked these people because they wanted to grab up so much power and use it against the American people. Rand Paul's been great this week. Yeah. Rand Paul's brought some semblance of, you know, peace and comfort to the to the discussion. It's just sort of a calming influence and a reminder that, hey, these guys in intelligence, some of them are really bad. John Brennan, for instance, Terrible. Terrible. That's the same guy that did the jihad thing, the the, uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Yeah. I mean, do we need a reminder on that again? The Uh, president's strategy is absolutely clear about mm -hmm. the threat we face. Okay. Our enemy is not terrorism because terrorism is but a tactic. I see. Our enemy is not terror Terror. because terror is a state of mind. State of mind. As Americans, we refuse to live in fear. Right, right, right. Nor do we describe our enemy as jihadists or Islamists, Uh because because jihad is a holy struggle, a legitimate tenet of Islam, meaning to purify oneself of one's community. And there is nothing holy or legitimate or Islamic about murdering innocent men, women, and children. Yeah, but they think there is. Indeed, characterizing our adversaries this way Mm -hmm. would actually be counterproductive. It would play into the false perception that they are religious leaders defending a holy cause, when in fact mm. they are nothing more than murderers, including the murder of thousands upon thousands of Muslims. This is why Muslim leaders around the world have spoken mm. out mm-hmm. forcefully and often at great risk to their own lives to reject Al-Qaeda and violent extremism. Yeah, I miss Frankly, most of those condemnations often do not get the recognition they deserve, oh, including from the media. Okay. Moreover, Moreover, describing our enemy in religious terms mm-hmm. would lend credence to the lie propagated by Al-Qaeda and its affiliates to justify terrorism. Okay. Wasn't it him also that said that the Muslim Brotherhood was mostly secular, or was that Clapper? That was Clapper. It might have been Clapper. Hold on. But think of the apparatus, the intelligence apparatus at the time. You got Brennan <clears throat> saying all this about jihad. You had Clapper or Brennan. I, I, don't, I forget yeah, which. Clapper. Doing the Muslim Brotherhood mm-hmm. is mostly secular. Yep, clapper. Uh, hello, Muslim Brotherhood. Man, we That's were, not secular. We were in good hands during the Obama administration. Hmm? You would have thought Allstate was running the show. That's how good hands we were in. Oh, so, so bad. It's a good reminder today, at least. Mm-hmm. Put you things know? into perspective. It is a good reminder. Mm-hmm. 888-900-3393. All right, let me tell you about uh, Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Awesome product. I love it because I know I'm getting vegetables in my diet now. And in fact, a full serving of organic fruits and vegetables with every scoop of Field of Greens. And I don't have to actually eat or taste kale because I can't choke that down anyway (laughs) because that's just not happening. No kale, no green beans in my diet, no spinach except Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. Now I get all that. All that superfood, all that stuff that's really good for me, all that stuff that hopefully keeps the doctor away, 
all that stuff that I know provides extra energy during the course of the day, I'm getting it now. Every scoop, again, has a full serving of organic fruits and vegetables, pre and probiotic, and it boosts your immune system really good for you. Just put one scoop in eight ounces of water or whatever your favorite drink is. It sweetens the drink. It's really easy, and you're going to be healthier. Go to BrickHousePat.com. Try Field of Greens today. You get 10% off a month's supply. I'm getting choked up about it. That's how much I love this product. That's sweet. You get 10% off a month's (laughs) supply when you use the offer code PAT. BrickHousePat.com. Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. And thank you for returning. With me, triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of support right now for um, Brett Kavanaugh mm. to the U- U.S. Supreme Court. Um, how support for Kavanaugh compares to past nominees? Percent who want you who wanted to confirm Sonia Sotomayor. This is uh, chilling. Fifty <laughs> percent. Of the public wanted to confirm Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, 25% don't confirm. Sam Alito, 40% to 40 to 23%. Roberts was 35 to 19 in favor. Merrick Garland, 46 to 30. Neil Gorsuch, 44-32. Elena Kagan, 33-21. Harriet Myers, 33-27. That was dead on arrival. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh's 41-36. He's only five points above water there. Why? Why? I think, and uh, I think right now, I think the big uh, push is just from the rabid left that would would be, you know, they would be uh, complaining about anybody. I, you know, I'm kind of torn on that because he's not the best uh, nominee possible. I don't think, Mm-mm. but uh, I'm not absolutely convinced that you. Know, a better one will come forward and be confirmed. I don't know. See, and I'm, I'm like you. I'm torn. It's like, I, I, my gut says I, I don't mind if he gets defeated, if mm-hmm. we can get someone that is more conservative in if there. If you go with like Amy Barrett, but that sure is a risk that you're running. But really every is. other day on Twitter, the only person in Washington D.C. that has officially gone on record uh, of the 435 up there is the uh, Congressman Justin Amash. Of, Who's um, a great congressman? Mm-hmm, yeah, and he's so, against him. He's against him. He every other day he's tweeting out mm. um, information about uh, Kavanaugh's Fourth Amendment track record. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so that's uh, a concern. We should get him on the air and see what he has to well, say. Let's about try that. to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a vote, uh, being that he's of the of the House. You know, the hundred right. senators get yes. to vote. So, but maybe but he still, can give us some insight on, yeah. on stuff that we just we're not seeing. Also, a tape has been uncovered about an appearance that Kavanaugh made. It looks like he's in, I don't know, they're asking really smart judicial questions uh, of him, and then there's the moderator up on stage with him. So I think it's like a 
judges meeting or something. I I, I don't know if it's I, I don't know what the setting is. <clears throat> He's just being asked questions in front of an audience. Do we know what year or how long ago? And it do, it doesn't say that either on it. But okay. I I think it's fairly recent. It's this is the uh you see the oh Aspen Aspen Security Forum Security Forum. Let me maybe? look into that. Let's find out when that was yeah. and when uh, Kavanaugh spoke at it. Because he maybe leaves some breadcrumbs here. They're talking about stare decisis, which is the, you know, it's essentially precedent. Uh, judges going by past performance of other judges. And he's asked about that. And is there a hardcore rule? When to follow that and when not? It is appropriate that the court overrule precedent in certain circumstances. It's also mm-hmm. appropriate, in my view, and the court has said many times, that stare decisis be the starting point. You can't reinvent the wheel necessarily. Now, this is some dry lawyer talk, judicial talk. To start, it does give you a, an idea of where he stands on precedent, which to me, you know, judge by the Constitution when you're on the Supreme Court. It's the Constitution. I don't care about previous decisions. Anyway, there's a little nugget at the end that is maybe a clue as to where he stands on Roe v. Wade. Every time you confront uh, an issue. The question then is, and the hard question is, when is it appropriate and when is it not? And I would love to have a perfect answer to that mm-hmm. question. To my point at the, on the first question, setting the rules of the road in advance, which is a general thing I think about in everything related to jurisprudence. I think it's really hard to have a set formula for overruling that's going to work in all cases. And to, to speak in uh, common parlance, when it's really wrong and has really significant practical effects and there hasn't been reliance interests of the kind you would have with a property or mm-hmm. contract decision, mm-hmm. that seems to be a descriptive of when the court will overrule something. Okay. But is that a formula that binds? Uh, is that a formula that tells you in advance with justices of different stripes uh, when to do it and when to not? Not really. I just think that's when it happens. Okay, it happens when the ruling is really wrong. Oh, my God. Okay, so... Is he setting up for something here? But then the moderator asked him a question. Can you think of a case uh, uh, that uh, deserves to be overturned? Yes. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Would you volunteer one? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so we can all think of a ruling that's really, really bad and deserves to be overturned. And obviously, I think he might be, I hope, He's thinking of Roe v. Wade. Now, I don't know, but he answered the question very quickly. And then he said he wasn't going to describe what specifically he was talking about very quickly as well. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm overreacting. But his response for me was the, was on almost the same level as Justice Ginsburg talking about foreign constitutions. Because what I heard in that mm-hmm. was that so, so Ginsburg will go to let's look at foreign constitutions. Okay. Yeah. For the way they, they decide cases. His was, well, you know, you got to see what kind of impact it's going to make. And I don't want, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm loosely translating this, but he basically just said, you got to see what kind of, um, uh, basically what happens after this ruling. I don't care what happens after this ruling. All you need is the Constitution, man. Mm-hmm. You don't look at cause and effect. You look at the rule of law instead of this, oh, well, case history says that, oh, dear Lord, I don't like this red flag. Big time. <laughs> Scared. Hold me. Oh, the whole question was framed in stare decisis, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
I don't know. I'm not as turned off by that whole setup because especially with what happens at the end when he says it really deserves to be overturned if it's a really bad ruling. Well, the, you know, allowing 60 million babies to have been swept from the earth is a really bad ruling. I can't think of one that's worse. So, um, that's one that deserves to be overturned. And then he's asked immediately and he's asked at the end, well, can you think of one that deserves to be overturned? Yes. Uh, that's got to be Roe v. Wade. Doesn't it? Maybe, but I'm... It's got to be. But look, okay, here's stare decisis. Here's the definition. The legal principle of determining points in litigation according to precedent. Yeah, I know. He didn't say the word constitution once. So if he is thinking mm-hmm. of Roe v. Wade, yeah, that... and if he is thinking of the Tenth Amendment, then he should say... Well, yeah, I can. Um, I think there's been some major cases in American history that have been decided based on precedent instead of the Constitution. And I think that that is something that uh, we forget about. That would have been a better answer. <laughs> Scared. Hold me, Pat. <laughs> yeah, probably not today. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. So that's a definite? like. Yeah, it's pretty, that's a pretty solid no. But you're saying there's a chance. No. It's I'm a not. pretty solid no. That's a very, very, very solid like, granite no. And you're saying it in so, front of everyone. So, yeah. Okay. So noted. Okay. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Also at Pat Unleashed on Twitter. Then we have uh, this Trump uh, appointee, Nikki Haley, who has slammed the Human Rights Council as the greatest failure of the UN. I love that. <laughs> so she was a, she was speaking at the Heritage Foundation and. Uh, and discussed it. Let's let's take a look at what she had to say. The Human Rights Council has provided cover, not condemnation, for the world's most inhumane regimes. It has been a bully pulpit for human rights violators. And the Human Rights Council has been not a place of conscience, but a place of politics. Mm-hmm. It has focused its un- attention unfairly and relentlessly on Israel. Meanwhile, yep. it has ignored the misery inflicted by regimes in Venezuela, Cuba, Zimbabwe, and China. Hmm. Judged by how far it has fallen short of its promise, the Human Rights Council is the United Nations' greatest failure. Nice. Oh, nice. Put that in your pipe. I mean, she nails it. <laughs> The Human Rights Council was continually, continually attacking Israel over and over and over. So, of course, there's going to be a certain percentage of the population on this planet that believes Israel is committing atrocities against the Palestinians. Because when are the Palestinians ever cited for anything? Never. Hmm. They're not. They're just not. Uh, and you've got people on the... When, it, when the Human Rights Council... Is that its worst was when, I think, Syria chaired the Human Rights Council. Syria is the head of the Human Rights Council? Yeah, because, well, they take turns. They take turns, and it's Syria's turn. Okay. <laughs> You're going to put a terrorist nation uh, at the head of the Human Rights Council. Okay. Libya had a turn right. as well back in the day. Yeah, they did. I mean, come on. Just unbelievable. Uh, but she had more to say. Uh, here, she... Uh, talked about the Human Rights Council a little bit more here. 
On June 19th, Secretary Pompeo and I made an announcement that the United States was withdrawing from the Human Rights Council. Many of our friends urged us to stay for the sake of the institution. The United States, they said, provided the last shred of credibility the Council had. Hmm. Hmm. But that was precisely why we withdrew. Nice. That's nice. I love it. She continues to rock. She's really good. She's really good. You need somebody who's not enamored with the UN to be the UN ambassador. Because the UN sucks. And then you need to shut the doors of that freaking place and tell them to get off our continent. That's what you need to do. (laughs) We need to get out of the UN and then get the UN out of the US. Okay, that's all. Go ahead and do your cute little League of Nations thing over in Europe. It worked so well the first time. It's You know, the UN might even be worse than the League of Nations. Get out. Get out. Get out. Go put it in Belgium or Denmark or Sweden or whatever. Shangri-La socialist butthole country. Yeah. I Go ahead. Just go over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, do your little thing. Get out. Get out. Wait, are you talking about the UN or are we talking about Jeffy? Well, I'm looking at Jeffy, but uh-huh. I'm thinking of the UN. I couldn't tell. But it's... Uh... <laughs> hey, buddy. Sorry. Looking at Jeffy perhaps <laughs> made the language a little bit stronger. <laughs> he, look, he was going in and out. He couldn't... He was Some of the time... You'll have to go back and listen to the tape. Maybe he was referring to you at some point. Maybe some points you in. Right. You just don't know. I mean, it's interchangeable. Get out. Jeffy, the UN. Jeffy just came in. I'm telling people to get out. <laughs> Who knows? Listen, I'm a fan of kicking the UN out. Yeah, I'm a no big kidding. fan of that. Absolutely. We need to gonna, do that. You're not going to... You've already... You've already... You've already got me. Yeah. You had me at hello. <laughs> right. I mean, I, goodbye. I mean, I mean Have that's, a nice day. that's a half a century overdue, getting them out yeah. of America. And if, look, if they want to stay and uh, pay us rent, uh, that's fine. But uh, we're going to end up, you can't park anywhere you want. We're going to end up giving you tickets. <laughs> right. Okay. You can't, you don't get your little diplomatic community. It will clean up the congestion in New York, what, those two times Hands a year down. when the Security Council is meeting. Hands yeah. down, clean it's, up that I, place. I say it goes. Get out. Bye. <laughs> get out. Okay, wait. Again, I'm confused. Is this UN talk, Jeffy talk? I'll get out. I just wanted to come in because remind the audience that, you know, two of the fat's coming up. Yeah. Like, you know, 40 like minutes. Like 45 or so. minutes. Yeah, 40, 45. So why are you here so soon? I mean, well, because they still have time to, you know, clean out their ears. Oh, if oh they to have make a, sure they can hear if everything. They can hear the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, maybe someone didn't hear you mention your love for the United Nations. <laughs> maybe. And if they maybe. didn't, they need to use uh, Wax RX. Because <laughs> uh, when you clean, when your ears aren't clean, you don't get the whole gist of how people are saying, hey, UN, we love you. Right. Other, otherwise, you uh-huh. might actually hear, get out. <laughs> and when that happens, you want to clean. You want your ears clean. Y- you do. You, you don't want, want that to be misunderstood. No, you do not. You want them clean. So mm-hmm. now you can get the real solution for that stubborn earwax, the Wax RX system. Doctor developed works safely when all other products fail. It's uh, a method physicians trust the most, and it's just like the systems they use in their offices. It's everything you need to safely clean out the earwax, condition your ears conveniently at home, mm-hmm. and not at the doctor's office, which is agonizing. We all, you know, I we all love to go to the doctor's office. Oh, sit, don't we? Wait, sit, wait. Mm-hmm. Get called in. 
feel good, sit, wait, sit, wait. It's almost like the airlines. The doctor-developed Wax RX system uses special wax softening drops to break down the earwax inside your ear. It's specially engineered with the the pump that's fitted with the unique tip to gently deliver the perfect amount of cleansing pressure. Flushes everything away. Finally, the pH conditioned formula rinses and soothes your ears, making for the ultimate, most complete earwax removal system available. And that's when you'll be able to hear UN get out. <laughs> Go to usewaxrx.com and order your reusable earwash system today. Use the offer code radio. They bring it right to your door absolutely free. Usewaxrx.com. USEWaxrx.com. Pat Gray Unleashed. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. It is uh, Pat Gray Unleashed. Apparently there's been a, uh, this certainly isn't the case in Texas, I wish it were. There's a lost summer for Greenland. We found it. We got yours and ours all in one here in Texas. <laughs> Which wh- Whatever the temperature usually is in Greenland, we got your nice weather and it added to our miserable weather, mm-hmm. making it even more miserable. 111 degrees was the official temperature. Oh my gosh. Near was my it house really? Two days ago. At the airport. Yesterday I had 108 on my car when I was heading home. I 108. Mean, where's Al Gore when you need him? <sighs> uh, anyway, Greenland and Arctic record cold and snow are once again being blamed on climate change. <laughs> okay, so it's. Cold in the summer. Yeah. And that's because of global warming? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The July 13th article declares a lost summer for Greenland as a record late snowpack lingering into July harms the shorebirds breeding season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jerome Renierkins, an avian ecologist at the University of Groningen. One of my favorite universities on the planet. Are they the fighting Groningens? They're the fighting Gronks. Gronks. Oh, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. University of Groningen fighting Gronks huh. in Greenland. <clears throat> They've studied Greenland's shorebirds since 2003, so they're experts at it. <laughs> Expressed bewilderment Get at the, the winter conditions in summer. The tundra was 100% covered in snow, and it was a very deep layer, he says, estimating an average depth of about one meter. What is that? Like an inch, or is it four hundred feet? Four, I don't know. Four miles is. of snow. Is it a four mile? Four, um, there's no way to four, know. Four we mile snowpack. We don't know. It was a big shock to see the place like that. The article reported this year broke all records. I know my literature about Arctic shorebirds very well, and I have never come across something like this. This guy gets all the chicks. <laughs> oh, talk to me about shorebirds again, honey. Well, mm, you know I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it when you're talking shorebirds. This wheelhouse right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is uncertain how <laughs> this disastrous incident will affect the overall population of shorebirds, though. <clears throat> uh, but given the scale that this is happening on, yeah. I do expect this will have large consequences. He estimates the record late snowmelt impacted half the global breeding area for sanderlings, mm. red knots, 
and ruddy turnstones. Oh, no. <laughs> what? I didn't know it was going to get that bad. <laughs> and now, I didn't realize the ready turnstones were going to be involved. Right. In hindsight, now I'm bummed. Yeah, we wouldn't have made light of this. But uh, yeah, right. Gosh, the ruddy turnstone. I mean, it was bad enough for the for the uh, Sanderlings, but mm-hmm. then when you find the ruddy turnstones turnstones in there too, it's mm-hmm. too much to take. By the way, the University of Groningen, mm-hmm. um, their uh, their school color mm-hmm. is officially called traffic red. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for that. I'm still working on finding Appreciate the that. nickname of their teams. So that's great. Record <laughs> cold and snow in Greenland. And this is the place that's supposed to be melting. And when Greenland melts, Miami floods. And you're going to see fish swimming down the street see? on a sunny day. See, you don't want that. You don't want that. Unless you're credence. So... That was the global warming thing that we were warned about. But now they're saying the record cold is from the record heat. Stop it! I can't take it. I can't take So that's global warming. As is this. Texas sets four consecutive electricity usage, usage records. And summer's only getting started. So uh, Texas's electric grid operator planned for a challenging summer. Uh, now it's here with electricity usage records on back-to-back days. Back-to-back-to-back, actually. Now, see, we've had hotter weather than this, though. I mean, back in 2012, was it... It might have been... Was it the summer before, before we got 2011. here? 2011. Yep. 2011, the summer before we moved to, to Dallas. Uh, we actually moved to Dallas in January of 2012. So it was right at the beginning of the year. So it was right after they had... I think it was... 80 days mm-hmm. over 100 degrees. Something like that. Yep. And like 45 of them in a row. So come on. Why? Unless we're just pansies now and we just we can't take it because we've had cooler summers the last several years. Hmm. But uh, Texas averaged 72,192 megawatts between 4 and 5 p.m., which topped the amount of electricity used an hour earlier. And these are both records. That were set back in August uh, 2016. Oh my gosh. But this, of course, because it's hot, is also global warming. Mm -hmm. So the hot is global warming. Yep. The cold is global warming. Mm -hmm. The snow is global warming. And the lack of snow is global warming. Flooding is global warming. Drought is global warming. Mm -hmm. How can you have it every which way and you're still right? I mean... I mean, that must be the coolest thing ever. And those poor ruddy turnstones. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Now you've really, you've gotten right back to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. The ruddy turnstones. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of Texas, this is kind of cool. We are now a global oil superpower. Yeah. If Texas was a country, we would be the world's third largest oil producer. The shale oil boom has brought a gold rush mentality to the Lone Star State again, which is home to not one but two massive oil fields. Plunging drilling costs have sparked an explosion of production out of the Permian Basin in West Texas. Uh, In fact, Texas is pumping so much oil, it will surpass OPEC members Iran and Iraq next year. So again, if we were a country, we'd be the world's third largest oil producer behind only Russia and Saudi Arabia. Hmm. That's 
incredible. And can I just say, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not exaggerating when I say they drill for oil right next to my neighborhood. So why can't I just pay a nickel a gallon for gas? Yeah, that doesn't work like that here. No. No. Shoot. Mm -mm. I don't know why. It would be nice. But supply and demand, I mean. I know. What's what that that just said we're number 3. It's because of global warming. Yeah. Yeah. Big oil also mm-hmm. jumping in there. Yep. Yep. Bastards. Don't like that. 888-933-93 more pack Leash coming up. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for being here. 888-900-3393. You know, we were talking about uh, Texas being the third largest oil producer in the world, if we were a country. Uh, That just shows how independent we are, how sustainable this state would be if it ever, if it ever did happen to secede from the Union, which... You know, hopefully it won't do. But yesterday I was driving behind this gigantic Ford F-350. I mean, it took up like two city blocks, this thing. <laughs> and the only thing on the back of it was this uh, black bumper sticker with white lettering, secede. Hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. So the, every once in a while you still see that, uh, that mentality being expressed. I didn't say why. Just secede. Oh, do we need a reason? No. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> uh, so kind of kind of fun to see that uh, Texas is, you know, we're getting our dominance back. And uh, even in oil, which for a while was kind of depressed, the oil market in, in Texas. And now it's just booming. And, and so now the Permian Basin is back on fire. A uh, lot of oil jobs. North Dakota is kicking back into gear. Mm-hmm. Good. This is this is good time for the energy sector. Perfect time to switch over to wind. <laughs> you know, because it's so sustainable well, and yeah. it's so powerful, mm-hmm. and we get so much usage out of it. What do wind and solar account for? Last I heard, between the two, mm-hmm. it's four percent of our energy. Well, I, four percent. Generous, actually. Is that is that too know. high? That might that. even be too high. And the people that invested most heavily into win mm-hmm. have realized the error of their ways. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see. When uh, people are... like what's his face from Texas? Team Boone. Team yeah, Boone Pickens. Team Pickens. Yeah, yeah T Boone. Uh, he, he really he thought it was all headed that direction, mm-hmm. and he started doing a lot. Yeah, he sunk his fortunes into uh, wind turbines yeah. in the Oklahoma State Athletic Department. Uh, okay, 4.7% of the total electricity generated in the U.S. Okay, so it's pretty close. Yep, wind energy. Yep. 47 888 uh, Also, we got to tell you about something that is really a concern. Um, a 100-foot-long fissure has cracked open at Yellowstone uh, National Park. 
The golden. That's, that's nothing to cheer about. That's that wasn't a wow. That was an interesting yeah. uh, setup there. It's weird that they were excited about that because uh, they shouldn't have been. <laughs> right. This is not I, a I don't good know why. story. I don't know why they were excited about a fissure opening up uh-huh. in a super volcano, which would cover two thirds of the continental United States. Oh no! Uh, that would be very bad. Um, and it's prompted the closing of part of the Grand Teton National Park. Not good, man. And I understood it was. It also prompted the closing of at least part of Yellowstone. Now, this gigantic uh, super volcano underneath, I don't know if you've ever seen the radius of what would happen if this thing ever blows. It's, it's cataclysmic. Devastating on a scale that we have never experienced. Practically a planetary disaster. It, it would be. I mean, this would not be. It's something like. I mean, I don't even, I don't even remember how many times more powerful than Mount St. Helens it is, and more powerful than that Hawaiian volcano that is uh, destroying Hawaii right now. And actually, added seven hundred. Did you see this? Added seven hundred acres to the size of the island already. Oh my goodness! Seven hundred acres because of the lava, and you know, then it hits the water and it creates land, and so it's. Bigger by 700 acres now. Really amazing. So the Yellowstone supervolcano is massive, as you said, um, with a two-step magma chamber system that in total contains about 58,000... I'm sorry, that's metric. 14,075 cubic miles of partially molten rock. I'll say that again. 14,075 cubic miles of partially molten rock. 14,000 um, miles of it? I mean, yeah. This is, I mean, my goodness. I'm that trying would be to a problem if that ever comes yeah, above Yeah, and ground. this just says that um, <clears throat> the eruption would, would, uh, it would obviously, like you said, a nationwide catastrophe with global yeah. ramifications. Yeah. I'm trying to find, because I've seen that fact, um, you were talking about Hiroshima. Uh, let's see. Okay, super volcano uh, is uh, typically as powerful as 100,000 nuclear bombs. Good heavens. That might be a problem. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe. Mm-hmm. And they've been talking about this for a while, and I keep thinking, oh, come on. There's no evidence that this thing is going to blow. Yeah. I mean, you can't even see the volcano. How do you... It's not even there, really. Yeah. The, the, the first time, the first time they started talking about this thing, we were in Yellowstone that week. It was oh. about a year ago today, almost, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we were there, and we thought... We had already seen the park. It was like a day before we left the area, and we thought, well, glad we saw it. If we just thought, ha, 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 you know, here we are mm-hmm. a year later, and now we've got this happening. Got a fissure, a hundred foot fissure in there. This is, oh boy. Yeah, that, like that's, this. it's problematic. Uh, Kay in uh, Arkansas, you're on the blaze. Hi. 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 I, I just had a couple of things to say. One, okay. back when it, when Boston received all that snow over a hundred inches, mm-hmm. they started calling it climate change instead of global warming right now global warming may be happening because of the kilauea volcano uh is really really hot and i watched a a story on the history channel about how the 10 plagues may happen and it started with a volcano Mm. and right now that thing is shooting 
noxious gases and all kinds of stuff into the atmosphere that goes into the stratosphere. Right. But we are close enough to Hawaii to definitely feel the effects of some warming from a volcano. Apparently, major volcanoes do uh, mm-hmm. tremendous things to our climate, and we're not—we're just not figuring in volcanic activity, not just going on in Hawaii, but anywhere else. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kay. Uh, that is true. Volcanoes could definitely affect the weather, um, and super big eruptions can actually cause—you know, like this super volcano in uh, Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. They say that that could cause a nuclear winter in the United States, which would not be a pleasant uh, situation. So, yeah, volcanoes definitely can figure into it. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Lori D trying to rub something in here. I don't care for this. Oh, call. this is not. Why is she doing this? Why would you do this? Oh, oh my, why would you? Why would why you bring this I, up? Why? I don't. I don't even know what I'm bringing up. I'm calling to talk to you about the weather, my friend. I know that's what you're oh bringing up. I mean, yeah, are you going to tell us? It was I know. It. 52 degrees in Seattle this morning? I mean, come on. Is that what you're okay, about to say? I am, but here's the thing is I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a caterer and I'm a cook. I'm a, I'm a professional home delivery chef. And so mm-hmm. I have to do an outdoor luau tonight, an outdoor luau, and it's 52 and raining, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, my career uh. is being ruined by the weather. But also, in 2011, y'all are right that 100 days over 100, 80 days over 100 degrees or whatever, yeah. I was nine months pregnant living in Harker Heights. Texas, and oh. our air conditioning kept going out. Oh my gosh! So that had to be miserable. I, I saw, I saw every movie that came out that summer four times because <laughs> at about two o'clock every day, my air conditioning would go out, and I had a three-year-old son who oh. could not stand to be in there. So I'm, I'm feeling these guys, <laughs> but it's like I, I love, I love waking up and I'm, I'm wearing a sweatshirt cooking over an open flame right now. You're killing us. I have to go cook over an open flame mm-hmm. and rain. Well, would you rather have would you rather have eighty days of a hundred plus, or would you rather wake up to fifty two degrees this morning in Seattle? I would rather wake up in Texas, no matter what the hell the temperature is. Oh, that's is nice. At. Good answer. I'm waking up in Texas. All right, good Every answer. Saved yourself. Single day of my life, I'm uh, getting back there as fast as I possibly can. Are you really? Oh, oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm a, I'm a Texan. I'm a Texan. How how long have you lived in? Se- what what took you guys up there? Your husband's job or your job or military? Military. Military. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Lori. You, Army. Woohoo! <laughs> um, you know, it's sad because when I woke up this morning, it was 88 degrees. Yep. 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 At four o'clock in the morning. This is an ironic. 88 degrees. Yeah. Of course, that's down from 108 the afternoon before. But still, when it's 88 and muggy, when you come outside in the morning and it's like, ugh, there's just no relief. There's no relief during the day. I mean, it's miserable. There's no relief at night. You just, you can't escape. You know, the the irony of Lori D's phone call about it being 52 degrees in Washington State this morning was, Mm -hmm. like you just said, uh, I opened up my weather app this morning to see what the temperature was. Um, and I guess the last time I had opened said weather app, it was still on a remote mountain town where I would like to someday own land. Mm. So when I saw mm-hmm. that it was 54 degrees and my heart skipped for a moment, I realized, oh, wait, nope, I'm <laughs> in hell. So this yeah. can't be the temperature here. No, it was 89. So 
93, by the way. 93 degrees at 8.30 this morning. Or it's 101 right now. Oh, good. If you're scoring at home. Mm-hmm. 101. And, of course, humid. So it feels like 196. 196 right now is a feels-like temperature. If the air conditioning... 196 degrees. 196, yeah. If the air conditioning goes out in this building, like Lori D when she was pregnant, oh, good I'm, I'm leaving. I'm just... I'm leaving. Sorry. No, yeah, because you you don't survive that. Just play a tape, boys. You do not survive that. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. More Pat Gray Unleashed is um, you know inevitable. Inevitable. Okay, it is. Uh, but also we've got uh, plenty more to share with you. I we got to play this George Will uh, discussion about Donald Trump's uh, grammar structure. <laughs> In fact, we. <laughs> Let me just play this right now because it's yeah. kind of fun. Okay. I mean, even if you're a, a Donald Trump fan, and I'm an occasional fan, <laughs> I think you have to agree with this statement. The president is, and I want to say this as delicately as possible, syntactically challenged. <laughs> he has a very difficult time getting from subject, object, predicate through a sentence. The sentences tend to explode in mid-flight. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, mm-hmm. it sometimes is difficult to know what he intended to say. Now, I, I think yes. as a matter of philosophy, if you can't say something, you can't think it. And the fact that a lot of what he says comes out <laughs> in confused language indicates that there's confusion straight through. Now, I mean, he's a smart guy, and apparently he's really far off the uh, Donald Trump bandwagon. I mean, so far off that he is now, I think, encouraging people to vote Democrat. Has, was that him? George Will? Yeah. No. I, I just was reading something where George Will was like uh, so anti-Trump now that I don't know. I'll have to look that okay, up. I and did make see sure that Comey. That. Comey just said yesterday, "You got to vote Democrat if you love America." Yeah. Do ya, Jim? Uh, Pathetic. George Will. I didn't know that. Yeah. Look it up. Uh, Glenn and Tanya started realestateagentsitrust.com a few years ago after they were frustrated trying to sell their home in Connecticut. Man, it was a frustrating situation. It was frustrating just to watch them go through it. And a lot of people have had really bad experiences because. They hire a family member or a friend that's kind of pushed on them or somebody tells them about somebody who's supposedly great and then they turn out not to be. And when, you're, when you've got the biggest investment in your life uh, on the line, you really want it to go well, which is why they started Real Estate Agents I Trust. It's a network of over 1,200 agents across America, and they're qualified based on experience and marketing plans. What kind of character do they have and what results have they gotten in the past for their clients? Plus, they're fans of the show. And that's really important. It shows that they're generally, they, they have basically the same principles and values you do. And you're going to have that in common with them. So you're going to have things to talk about. You're going to be able to relate to them. Those are all really important. And they're good because we've looked into their background. So if you need to sell your house fast and you want to get the most money out of it, go to Real Estate Agents I Trust. We'll introduce you to the best agent in your town. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Pat Gray Unleashed returns after this on the Blaze Radio Network. Now back to Pat Gray. On the Blaze Radio Network. Just talking about George Will 
and how anti-Trump he's kind of uh, not just become, but he has remained and maybe even gone further. Uh, he just wrote, our America first president put America last in Helsinki. America's child president, <clears throat> here's how he starts it out. America's child president had a play date with a KGB alumnus who surely enjoyed providing daycare. It was a useful because illuminating event. Now we shall see how many Republicans retain a capacity for embarrassment. Wow. Scant few. Wow. That's stinging. You know, Ben Sass, by the way, he, uh, yeah. he, he was not happy immediately after. I don't know, man. Do you, do you think the Republicans are going to put up a challenge? Uh, no. No? Okay. Mm-mm. Not even Sass, huh? Mm-mm. 2020? No, because the party won't support him if he does. They won't yeah. support him in 2024, and, and you need that support. Is there an opening for a Republican to run as an independent? Well, no, they would lose in the independent primary to uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, <laughs> never mind. Good point. Yep. I Yeah, it's, I just don't think it's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, also, here's an interesting phenomenon, I think, especially for the United States of America. Doctors suing their patients for negative online reviews. Retired Air Force Colonel David Antoon agreed to pay $100 to settle what were felony charges for emailing his former Cleveland Clinic surgeon articles the doctor found threatening and posting a list of uh, on Yelp of all the surgeries the urologist had scheduled at the same time as the one that left him incontinent and impotent a decade ago. So... This surgeon did a surgery, and he had multiple surgeries scheduled for the same time. And because of the job he did on this Air Force colonel, he's incontinent and impotent. And because he fought back on Yelp, this uh, the guy who is the victim here of the urologist faced up to a year in prison. What? Uh, is this not freedom of speech? Antoon's 10-year crusade against the Cleveland Clinic and his urologist is unusual for its length and intensity, as is the extent to which the Cleveland Clinic urologist Jihad Kauk was able to convince police and prosecutors to advocate on his behalf. Antoon's plea deal came last week as others in the medical community aggressively combat negative social media posts, casting a pall over one of the few ways prospective patients can get unvarnished opinions of doctors. How can it be that you cannot post something against a doctor or a clinic or a surgeon if they've done a crappy job? Are we in the United States of America at all? Is Are we even a close facsimile of what it used to be? Here's some of the recent cases. Cleveland physician Baman Gurion sued a former patient for defamation for posting negative reviews on Yelp and other sites about her nose job. Gurion's attorney, Steve Friedman, says that although the First Amendment protects patients' rights to post their opinions, quote, our position is she did that she did far beyond that and deliberately made false factual statements. A settlement Mediation is slated for early August 
And then there's a trial set for August if no agreement is reached. She's going to go on trial uh, for posting negative reviews on Yelp. Jazz singer Sherry Petta used her own website and doctor rating sites to criticize a Scottsdale, Arizona medical practice over her nasal tip surgery, laser treatment, and other procedures. Her doctors successfully sued for defamation. They won a $12 million jury award that was vacated on appeal. (laughs) Wow! Against a single individual, $12 million? Uh, Have you ever heard of jazz singer Sherry Petta? She's super rich. Oh, is she in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame instead probably, of Foreigner? Yes. Then, okay. Yes, probably. she is. Uh, Petta claimed the court judgment forced her to sell a house and file for bankruptcy. The parties wouldn't discuss the case and jointly asked for it to be dismissed in 2016, but declined to explain why. Uh, also, a Michigan hospital sued an elderly patient's two daughters and a granddaughter over a Facebook post. And for picketing in front of the hospital, they said mistreated the late Eleanor Pound. The operator of Kalkaska Memorial Health Center sued Eliza Morse, Carol Pound, and Diane Pound for defamation, tortious interference, and invasion of privacy. Petta's attorney, the jazz singer, Mm -hmm. who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before Foreigner, Mm -hmm. uh, we assume, Ryan Lorenz says consumers need to know there can be consequences if they post factually incorrect information. Okay, well, that's important, obviously. Lorenz, who has represented both consumers and businesses on cases involving online comments, says consumers are allowed to offer opinions that don't address factual points. But what, I mean, if you say, I went to this doctor for surgery and wound up incontinent and impotent. Is that not a factual point? Right. Seems like it. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. If this isn't if this is all based on fact, provable fact. If you say this is the worst surgeon in the history of the world, you don't know that as a fact. That's just your opinion. But you could could you not preface it with in my opinion, this person is whatever. Right? Doesn't that protect you? If you're standing in public, let's just say you and I were at the uh, post office or whatever, standing in line, and and somehow we get to talking about surgeons or what have you, mm-hmm. that would be protected, right? No matter what I say I to would you think in the so. public square about someone? I would think I'm so. I'm sorry that you guys... Isn't that what Yelp is? Yes. It's the public square. I'm sorry you c- couldn't mm-hmm. foresee the internet's impact on your business, but don't suck and maybe this won't happen. I don't exactly. know. <sighs> I think people have a right to post. I mean, yes, and they don't have a right to lie. Right. Right. It would be great if the regulators of hospitals and doctors were more diligent about responding to harm to patients, but if they're not, uh, so people have turned to other, some people have turned to other people. This is what happens when your system of oversight is failing patients. As doctors and hospitals throw their considerable resources behind legal fights, some patients face huge legal bills, bills for posting critiques, and other consumers face their own challenges trying to get a straight story. Wow. Doctors typically can't successfully sue third-party websites like Yelp that allow consumer comments, but they can sue patients over the reviews. Even so, you can win a case and still not win, uh, according to a professor at Santa Clara University's law school. Just keep this in mind when you're posting things on on Yelp about, uh, you know, service people, service that you've received. 
It could backfire big time. Yeah. Uh, this poor guy, incontinent and impotent. That's huge. And if the guy had multiple surgeries scheduled at the same time, kind of stands to reason and maybe he rushed through it a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a case. Yeah, it does. For Brett Kavanaugh. Wow. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, All right. Tonight is the big night. Mm, It is the night when uh, Tika Tuari explains the three cryptocurrencies that he recommends you buy right now. Now, this week we've talked to him twice on uh, on Glenn's show, and he's it's pretty interesting. He almost guarantees that Bitcoin is going to be forty thousand by the end of the year. It's around seventy four thousand last I checked a couple hours ago. Seventy four hundred. If it goes to forty thousand and you buy one of them, well, you've made a very handsome profit, haven't you? So you'll hear about that uh, tonight. Um, you'll hear about three other cryptocurrencies that you should buy. And he'll tell you all the behind the scenes stuff that leads him to believe that Bitcoin is going to perform the way he says it's going to perform. So get the details, but you have to, it's free, but you do need to register. So go to beckcryptoshow.com and register beckcryptoshow.com. And then join us tonight, eight o'clock Eastern for this uh, very special webinar on uh, cryptocurrencies. We'll see you then. Pat Gray. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, time to chew the fat with Jeffy. Well, you're talking about the weather and the heat, and uh, you were talking about the greatest days in Dallas-Fort Worth for the you know the most days over 100 degrees mm-hmm. in 2011. 71 days. Oh, it was 71. No, it was close. I thought it was 80, days. 82. Something yeah, like I mean, that. it felt. Like, How many in a row was that though? The greatest Wasn't consecutive. There 40 some? Uh, greatest consecutive in, was two thousand in two thousand eleven. Yeah, forty. Forty. Uh, yeah. That's number two though. Forty two in nineteen eighty. In nineteen eighty, there were forty two days. Wow. In a row. Jeez. I know. Okay. Well, that was nineteen eighty. Right. What was going on then? That's not global warming. Well, huh. it was, no, it was huh. global cooling. Oh, okay. Right. It was, it was that's right. It was a global on. cooling. cooling. And uh, it was nice. Brought on the warming. (laughs) The cooling brought on the warming. The Weather Channel uh, was kind enough to tweet out uh, this tweet uh, today, talking about uh, the possibility of it being so hot that uh, you know possible is going to be 110 degrees. Uh, I snapped a picture in my rearview mirror uh, and reminded them that it surpassed 110 degrees here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, it was 111 in my car. <laughs> wait, in, I can't wait. Well, the the mirror oh, I'm has sorry. the has okay. the temperature readout. I thought we understood something there. Never mind. Mm-hmm. It's cool though. Yeah. And mm-hmm. 
one of the things that you need to be careful of here in North Texas with the heat being so strong is air conditioning uh, units being set on fire because they're so oh, hot. Oh, look at that. Oh, uh, this is going oh. on uh, throughout the Did you get the uh, warranty, the sir? <laughs> I got, when I first saw that, it kind of looks like my area of where the air conditioner units are, Uh-oh. where the air handlers are, and I thought, oh, my gosh, no. I cannot. I haven't got a text from my wife, so we're good. <laughs> I, I love how it's literally next to a wooden fence. Oh yeah, that, right that's where they the set them up. Yeah, and you're thinking Jeez. you're you're videoing it. Maybe you could grab a fire extinguisher and then worry about the clicks right. later. No, there's know. no there's no point in that. Take keep you're right. keep recording. You're right. Yeah, don't mess keep up. Keep recording. It's like when people video. start fighting. You don't want to try to break up the fight. Keep recording. That sucks. That sucks because <laughs> now you're talking thousands. Oh, yeah. of dollars oh, in yeah. repair. Or replacement. And even more yeah. depending on where that, you know, if the fire starts creeping into your yeah, electrical well then, system inside the house. Yeah, not good. Oof, not good at all. And those, uh, usually <laughs> your breakers are like right above where that fire is. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of tough to get to mm-hmm. uh, during the fire. Mm-hmm. That's why we have professional people, like call, I like to call them uh, firemen. Right. That <laughs> I've heard of them. <laughs> they show them. up in these, huh. uh, they got big trucks with water and stuff that in them and they Oh, okay. They got they got uniforms they wear and everything. Yeah, they thing? show up. With, well, you know, some neighborhoods might not have them. Okay. I mean, I've seen them drive through mine, so I know they're around. Okay. <laughs> mm. uh, coming from uh, Florida State, and and look, we we've got a lot. We've seen a lot of this action here in uh, the Fort Worth, uh, Dallas Fort Worth area. But it's good that it's uh, you know going around the country. We've seen it in Charlottesville. Uh, now we're seeing uh, in, uh, in a couple other universities. Uh, Florida State University is going to remove the statue of Francis Epps. And you know Francis Epps, the school founder and slave owner and Confederate sympathizer. Mm-hmm. They're going to move it from his present location, and uh, they're going to—they've decided that they're not going to take down his name on Epps Hall, the plaque on Epps Hall. Uh, they've decided, you know, we'll just add a more, uh, more context. Huh? That's a strange word that they would use in the. And the expression of what they're going to be doing in the future, and FSU President John Thrasher announced that. Uh, listen, we're going to we're going to we were going to get rid of the statue of Abs, and I just wanted to remind you that he's also the grandson of Thomas Jefferson. Oh, now Thrasher, this is what good news at Florida State University when uh, when they had the problems in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. Uh, Thrasher created the President's Advisory Panel on the University Namings and Recognitions uh, last September. And those are always good for universities to put together because good comes from them. The 15-member fifteen member panel recommended that the statue uh, come down, and they wanted his name off the criminology and criminal justice building as well. Uh, but they're, I guess they're trying to make them better, saying appease some of the people. Uh, the marker is going to be placed at the building, but it's going to accurately explain Epps was one of the Many who had a role in the establishment of FSU as institutional predecessor and include additional, here's that word again, context. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Amazing. Now, I love this part of where they're going to move the statue. The president said, um, it will likely be taken to a safe place uh, until its next location is chosen. Okay. I. Mm-hmm. Likely, likely, uh, likely, it may not be taken to a safe place. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to say, "Yep, we're keeping it over here now." <laughs> Go ahead and destroy it. They also want to uh, erase the former Florida Supreme Court, Court uh, building that's called the BK Roberts Building uh, because he was uh, uh, he was a bad guy. I mean, he was bad. He was one of the 
one of the Supreme Court justices, and he avowed segregationist, and he was he wanted to, didn't want African Americans in Florida State, and he didn't want to gain admittance into the University Law School, and uh, they want that gone, completely gone. And I love the uh, Democratic Society. I'm sorry, Students for a Democratic Society that helped spearhead these changes. They're generally happy with the decisions, so oh, okay. it, it's never going to be enough. No. And the uh, their so-called uh, FSU Republicans were kind of pissed. They're like, uh, the decisions regarding the Epp statue and removing Robert's name, noting uh, Thrasher, the president of FSU, has, just, has decided to cave to the whims of the loud minority, a minority set on destroying the fabric of history that we have made such progress on. In lieu of listening to the overwhelming 71.7% majority of FSU students who voted to keep the Epp statue in place less than two years ago. Mm. Doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Doesn't matter. If it's one person, they overrule. It's and it's everybody. Never going to be enough. You, I mean, you heard it in their own words. We're generally happy with the outcome. There's still going to be a plaque. Uh, they're likely to put the statue someplace safe. We we aren't able to destroy it and burn it. Mm-hmm. So we're not. No, we're not happy. We're not completely happy. And of course, the University of Wyoming. Um, they're getting backlash now because uh, they are the uh, <clears throat> Cowboys. Can't have Cowboys. We cannot have Cowboys. Uh, in a vacuum, the term Cowboy appears gender and perhaps race-specific, but in context of the branding campaign it's connected to, and no, we can't, it's, it's, we can't have that. The words that show our Cowboys are diverse of every sex and background, no, we, we need that changed. And they're trying to bring down the Cowboys. A Cowboy is not what you are, but who you are is their big uh, slogan that they they haven't started it yet. This was going to be their new slogan starting soon. And uh, they, they still, it's on pace to start. I got money, it stops. You know, that, that's too I bad. I got money, they stopped doing that. It's too bad. Wyoming was one of the last vestiges of hope for America. And now uh, this is, uh, and what I think is so funny is that the, uh, the agency that came up with that slogan is based in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And you would think, wow, Boulder, you progressive town, you think you'd know better than to come up with a cowboy-themed slogan. That's true. So, but uh, that's They're still pathetic. going with it. Yeah, I mean, good. But I hope they do, but we'll there's see. a lot of pressure it. up there. I know. Ugh. Pretty sad. Yep. It's pretty sad because if I remember right, and again, I know I'm, I'm bringing up context, but if I remember right, um, the white cowboy perception really is from Hollywood. Real cowboys, the yeah. guys that were out uh, yeah. working, uh, driving cattle and everything, they weren't all white. They weren't all. Uh, they weren't all just uh, the white racist cowboy from yeah. Hollywood that was playing. That they, was were, a, they were Indians. They were Spanish. They were Mexicans. They were black. The vaqueros, yeah, absolutely. It's agonizing. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, context. Thank you, mm-hmm. Chicago. I mentioned this yesterday, and then I, I realized that I didn't uh, expand on it because I, I want to be sure that people are aware that Chicago is going to. On the way to becoming one of the first U.S. cities to implement universal basic income. And that should help that city out immensely. Now, the proposal introduced by Chicago Alderman uh, Amea Power uh, would create a small-scale uh, universal uh, basic income experiment that gives uh, families $500 a month with no strings attached and would also change the earned income tax credit for participating families to give them monthly payments instead of just a lump sum. And a good, good. Now, look, it's not only a way to ensure people still get paid as automation displaces their jobs, but it's also a safeguard against the inevitable socio-political strife that would follow. Okay. 
I mean, uh, it's important. <laughs> uh, whatever you said there, I on the national level, I know. But the, a survey from Northeastern University and Gallup showed uh, back in February that forty eight percent of Americans would support a universal basic income. That's forty percent. Forty eight. Forty eight. Forty eight percent of Americans would wow. support a universal basic income. That's a program. That was in February. Forty six percent of the of supporters of the of that of those supporters would pay higher personal taxes to support one. Sure. Wow. Socialist uh, country. <laughs> Socialist country. Oh well, yeah, of course. And look, the survey also said about sixty five percent of Democrats were a part of that who voiced their support, and twenty eight percent of Republicans. What kind of Republicans want? Uh... Universal basic universal income. basic income. Uh, the one that's you're not a Republican. Money goes on trees, right? <laughs> no. Isn't that where we get money from trees? Uh huh. Okay. Or Obama, it's Obama money <laughs> from his stash. Uh, Obama mm-hmm. phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and once again, uh, we find that uh, what we've been told is, of course, wrong. Uh, milk, cheese, butter—it's not bad for you at all. A new study this week in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. Um, Vindication process for saturated fats. That turned many people away from dairy products, whole milk, cheese, and butter in the 80s and 90s. They did an analysis of uh, 2,907 adults and found that people with higher and lower levels of dairy fats in their blood had the same rate of death during the same 22-year period. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, uh, kind of, uh, look, and it's not only us, a number of recent studies have found the same thing. Now, they're still, you know, they're talking about uh, um, the drawback is that uh, the people with low levels of dairy fats in their blood weren't necessarily dairy-free. They may have been consuming low-fat dairy. So that all their conclusion is, is that the dairy fats, um, there's no association between that and mortality okay so i mean mm-hmm. whether it's good or not but they're but they're also up against the guidelines of the schools and the uh, federal dietary guidelines because these guidelines uh issued by the u.s department of agriculture have long been you know they're uh, for obviously this this probably was paid for i'm guessing by the uh, american dairy association uh, because they're pissed at these guidelines because uh the the they, they want uh They've been biased against the consumption of the country that is rich in dairy production. Mm-hmm. We sell like a crazy person, but no, we can't consume it. You've got to, uh, we've got to promote low-fat, fat-free, and uh, veganism, not promote dairy products. So I bet it had to have been paid by them. Probably. Get it out there. No problem. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, that that doesn't skew the results. I'm just saying it's important to remember where the check comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, good news for a lot of people. Australia scientists have developed the first uh, melanoma blood test, uh, which is good. Instead of just uh, patients uh, before, you just had to wait for the doc to go, hmm, I look all right. That doesn't look good. Let's go ahead and biopsy that bad boy. Uh, now they've got a blood test to uh, catch it early. Uh, the scientists at uh, Edith Cohen University said the new test could help doctors detect the skin cancer before it spreads. So, I mean, that's really, and the 90 to 99% survival rate caught early is what they're hoping for. And they've already, in their original test now, 79% of the cases they've detected early. Mm. So, I mean, that's great news. And uh, we're, I mean, 
probably another two or three years before it's actually out there, but I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that uh, a lot of doctors even just kind of buy it. Let's do a blood test. Let's see what it says. Mm-hmm. Because what's important now, and this is happening in the United United Kingdom, and it's coming here soon, guaranteed. Uh, a leading ethics body in the United Kingdom has concluded that uh, <clears throat> the heritable genome editing, eh, it's morable. It's morally permissible. Don't worry about it. If it's used to exclude diseases for the kids, Pat, mm. the altering of targeted DNA in embryos before being transferred to the womb could become an option for parents who wish to influence the genetic characteristics of their future child. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I love the reason that this is so fascinating to me is that the development of the advanced genome technology has given them the ability to rewrite the DNA code in the eggs and sperm and embryos, but you know, the safety of it really isn't that great. Mm. Uh, they're not, they're not uh, listen, the effectiveness uh, impact mm, that hasn't been so great. And they don't care about, um, look, um, what will it, it'll probably affect future generations. So those unintended consequences uh, are they're considerably worried about. And, you know, they can't do it legally, but they're busy testing it right now. And they've already said that the tool that they used for editing, mm-hmm. the one tool, caused more damage than it did to help. Mm-hmm. So they're still, it's on the way. Designer huh. babies are coming. You yeah. can guarantee on that. Oh, they absolutely. want that bad. And absolutely. That want that bad. Well, I hope look. not because then we won't get you. Well, look, if they had, oh, please. No one would have. I mean, I'm, I would have been born no matter what. This is kind of interesting. Um, you know, we got some uh, tweets coming into at Pat Unleashed and uh, Nicole. Because we're talking about Yellowstone. We were talking about the fisher, the 100 foot fisher in Yellowstone. And Nicole asks you know, It's was, not Fisher, F I S. Was it big enough to be a Jeff Fisher? <laughs> <laughs> Struggling Lumbee says, no, it was 100 feet long, not 100 feet wide. <laughs> 100 feet long. Not a hundred feet You're wide. You know what's funny is yeah, that that's just social laughing. media. You don't have to. You're not laughing. I don't know why we have to read everything on social <laughs> media. Laughing with us. <laughs> oh man, so bad. Hey, did you know our now, two teams are going to play again? Uh, when shortly? Well, not till 2020. Okay, but, 20, that's what I thought. But yeah, Missouri right. is uh, doing the return trip to Pro. Oh yeah. And apparently, nice. they thought that was off because there was some problem i think with the november game they just pushed it up to uh, october 10th instead mm-hmm. october 10th oh, the good because your players, your players will be younger in october than they are in december right yeah so are yours i don't know if you're aware of that <laughs> is that how that works um, that is how that works <laughs> yeah that affects everybody the uh, same way weird same way weird how that works uh so i know i'm excited we're like we're like what 40 I'm days excited. away for Something less like than that? that i mean till fall Wait, camp september well yeah they're already practicing but september yeah. 1st is Game time, right? Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. I know a week from today, July 26th, right? Yeah. The, yeah, because they just had the, the SEC. First, that's, NFL? When the Falcon, that's when the Falcons report okay. a week from today. Cool. Man. I'm happy. Listen I to the know. schedule, though, for 2020 for BYU. For Julio. Are you going to try to convince me I'm to listen to this. for them again this yes. year? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know I am. I am. I have bought in last year so hard last year again. Me. Last year hurt me. Yeah, it hurt me, too, my friend. It hurt me more than it hurt you. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Uh, but in 2020, we got Utah, okay, Michigan State at home. This is 2020. 2020. Okay. Utah, Michigan State, Arizona State, Minnesota, Utah State, Missouri, Houston, Ooh. Northern Illinois, Boise State, San Diego State, and Stanford. That's a schedule. You ain't lying. They better show up. 
This year, we start with Arizona. Then we got Cal at home. Then at Wisconsin. Those are three games. Arizona, Cal, Wisconsin. Then we have McNeese State, which is a pretty good FCS team. Of course it is. You would tell yourself that. Washington Huskies, who are going to be top 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, Utah State, Hawaii, Northern Illinois, Boise State. Then we got UMass. New Mexico Northern State Illinois is one of those teams that always surprise people every year because they're Northern always, Illinois they was always I know they always like want eleven to be, and two last year. Yeah, they they're one of those teams that you think ah they're just Northern Illinois. Yes, and then they come in and, and then kick they your come, ass. Yes, <laughs> that that is not a patsy. No, it is not. So they are not. A, that's not a patsy. I'm getting team psyched about football. Again. I know I am too. Getting they just had the SEC days and uh, Drew Locke. They're pushing Drew Locke for the Heisman. So, uh, you know, oh, at Missouri? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. The, so it's on this year, baby. Is he good enough to be football. Heisman material? Uh, Come on. Yes. Now. Come on now. By the way, Northern Illinois beat Nebraska. Not that it really meant much Please. in Lincoln last year. Is that Steve's already with the way, stupid what? Alabama? Northern hat. Illinois beat Nebraska in Lincoln last year. Oh yeah. my God. Did they really? I mean, See, but it was last year, so whatever. It's a couple no, years but that's ago, my point like about them. BYU beat Nebraska at Nebraska as well. I don't well. even know what uh, you're going to I can remember a <laughs> great night with my son playing for Missouri, <laughs> kicking the crap out of Nebraska <laughs> in Nebraska. Gosh, I remember Saturday Nebraska. Night victory. <laughs> I remember Nebraska on a Thursday night in the rain in Columbia, Missouri. I know, that's that game, that game, your yeah, voice that game, the fix was in. All right, let me tell you about Spymaster, which is uh, this summer's must-read thriller from number that. one New York Times bestselling author, Brad Thor. Uh, Brad is the, the one of the best authors. Absolutely. On the face of the planet. And great on social media, by the way. Awesome. And just a really good, solid, conservative guy who writes great novels that are really fun. A rumor, a remote cabin in Norway, and an American intelligence operative charged with stopping the next world war before it begins. Counterterrorism expert Scott Harvath's mission is one of the deadliest he's ever undertaken. The Real Book Spy says Spymaster is filled with enough action for two books and is the most gripping novel of Brad Thor's iconic career. That's saying a lot. That sure is. Washington Post declares, and these are not friends to Brad Thor. I know. Thor convincingly portrays Russia as a reborn Cold War-era evil empire hell-bent on reconquering its former territory. Spymaster Scott Harvath proves more cunning, more dangerous, and more lethal than ever. Read Spymaster by Brad Thor. It's on sale right now wherever books are sold. Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Finish it up, chewing the fat with Jeffy. So uh, we all are, are in love with uh, socialist uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez now from uh, New York, and we oh, loved her so video. Love. So we loved her video from uh, when she was being interviewed on that Firing Line show, where she uh, said she wasn't an expert on socioeconomics, uh, but uh, and geopolitics. Although she had a bachelor's degree in economics and international relations from Boston University College, but uh, they also have an interview now with. Uh, Alexandria, when she was with joining Democracy Now! I think you'll find it special. Okay. So I think that cities are a real opportunity for us to experiment with these policies and to also reject the argument that these things don't work, that 
housing as a right doesn't work, that healthcare as a right doesn't work, that you know, if you expand it to states, that uh, universal college and trade school education doesn't work because we can prove that they do on municipal and statewide levels. No, you can't. Although I never heard Hold on. proof no, of there, that. Because there isn't any uh, proof of that. <laughs> of Ms. success? Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. There, there, there may be proof of, yeah. uh, of failure. Okay. For sure. Uh, but She should then run for citywide office or state office. Get yeah. out of Congress. But as the DNC chairman, Tony Perez, or Tom Perez said, she's the future of the party. Okay. So there you have it. So, I mean, I mean this that's... party is so extreme and so left-wing and so out of control now. I don't know how anybody votes Democrat, quite honestly. How are you voting Democrat? If you're not a socialist, how do you vote Democrat? How? Uh, I- you can't. I, no, you can't. And that's that's you that's your premise of your question says it all. If yeah. you're not a socialist. <laughs> if you're not a socialist, right? you should not be voting Democrat because they're one and the same now. They sure it's over, are. man. It's over for that party. They've just been co opted by the socialists and the communists. So bad. Completely co opted. So bad. And look, I know that you know you're saying that it doesn't work. <laughs> and it doesn't, <laughs> in the cities doesn't work. It doesn't so, look quite the same coming so from you, though, bouncing in that chair as it did from her. I, what are you uh, saying? I just it doesn't. It, there's a Two different, different sort of look. Talking about the same. eyes. No, he's talking about you the eyes. You don't have the crazy <laughs> eyes like her. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the Blaze Radio Network. 888 and at Pat Unleashed on Twitter from Toby. My right pinky knuckle itches. Is that due to global warming as well? Oh, man. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. What else would it be? Uh, from Jeffy's story, Wesley D., 75% of the students voted to keep the statue, but it's being removed anyway. Mm. Aren't these the same people that think we're a democracy? <laughs> Uh, From Nick in Detroit, when I first started receiving the blaze on Dish in 13, I distinctly remember Pat, Stu, Glenn complained about how cold the Texas summers had been since they moved there. Phrases like, where's that Texas heat we heard about were common. (laughs) Really? Uh, Uh, Cold? I don't know about about cold, but probably not nearly as hot as it was. uh, Because we have had fairly mild summers, I think. Yeah. um, Since 2011. When we moved here. Haven't been bad. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, you're going to get the occasional heat and humidity. Um, but it's not like Houston. Houston is, oof. Miserable. Good golly. Houston summers. Hideous? Yeah, yes. In a word, yes. Hideous. Gr- grotesque. And then you have to worry about hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Although, not since the Sahara Desert sandstorm that flew across the uh, Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Ended up in Houston and Dallas, and now we're getting the haze from the sand in the Sahara Desert that was scooped up, you know, by by the system on this planet, and then blown all the way over here to Texas. So we've got Sahara Desert 
that is, they think even raising the temperature here, and that might be one of the reasons wow. it's so hot this week, because of the uh, dust in the air. So now we can blame the third world mm. for something instead of vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what it also does is destroys hurricanes. Oh. So any hurricane that forms, when that dust comes across, wow. bye-bye. That's awesome. Instant hurricane killer is the Saharan desert uh, dust that blows th- across the, the uh-huh. ocean. Love that. Soon as that dry sand yeah. hits that wet storm, bye-bye. So that's been great. That's and that's why one of the reasons there are no hurricanes lining up right now because we've had that Saharan dust, which is kind of cool and makes for really beautiful sunsets as well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a look tonight. See if you don't uh, nah. see if you don't agree. I don't want to. All right. You're right. I get all mushy and sentimental about no, a beautiful sunset. I, right. Actually, um, uh, these Texas sunsets, I have a great view. If I go step out in my driveway. Um, Do most people not be able to see the sky? Uh, well, I'm Texas? just like I'm on the edge of town. I'm out there near New Mexico. You oh, know? okay. And yeah. so I, I have an uh-huh. unobstructed view um, of the west, uh, of, the, of the horizon, you know, until capitalism takes over and they start building stuff to block my view. Yeah. Yeah. But for now, it's pretty nice. Hate that capitalism stuff. Me too. I mean, it just gets in the way. Oh, man. It's just ruined mankind. Right? Yes. You know what it's done? It's made a bunch of people fat. Yeah. That's what it's done. A lot of people overeating now because of capitalism. Too much, man. Too much. You can hardly see anybody's ribs anymore Mm -hmm. because of capitalism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, at some point, you have enough food. Yeah. Yeah. You have enough stuff. At some point, your house is big enough. Mm -hmm. You got enough money. Am I right? Or am I right? And you know what? We wouldn't have this problem if it wasn't for a capitalism. Right. Oh, we absolutely wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have about two billion more people starving to death. They but they wouldn't be fat. But they would not be fat. So, so. put that in your pipe and smoke it. Smoke it. Also tomorrow. Now I, I wanted this for like uh throwback Thursday today, but it's not going to happen in time. So tomorrow, I've been we've been talking about this for a while of doing um, uh, bringing in one of the segments that Glenn and I did when we were together the first time around. Okay, you know, back in Baltimore and Washington D.C. and Connecticut, and we used oh. to do a morning FM hilarious show together. Mm. And uh, and we were going to do some of the uh, we we're going to show you some of the examples of what we did together back then. Well, I actually I finally went out and purchased a reel-to-reel machine. No, This is news to me. I'm yep. learning along with the audience. I actually <laughs> purchased a reel-to-reel machine because all our bits and stuff are on reels. Oh, nice. The old style analog t- reel tapes of reels. You know, reels of tape. And, uh, and so I've Found some of them, and uh, tomorrow we're going to put one up on Facebook for a Flashback Friday kind of thing. Nice. I, I think we are, and we'll make sure we can do that. <laughs> but I'm not the person who knows how to do it, so I'm going to supply the actual sound. I'm hoping it can make it to the to the Facebook page. Cool. It, it, do you think that's possible? Well, have you sent it to Samantha yet? Not yet. I then it's I'm probably not, not going to happen. I'm going to send it after this show, you which is why we'll do it for Flashback Friday tomorrow. I'm going to write yourself a note and put it on your bag. So okay, that do you that. See it and you take it home. Yes, that's how we get stuff done around here. I actually brought from home. I brought something in today, so it's already here. So I'm just going to do it after the show, okay. and then we'll have it up for tomorrow. All right. All right. So I'm excited. Look for that. Yeah.
Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Also, uh, just to give you an idea of how extreme the Democrat Party is, let's take a look at uh, this is Deputy DNC Chairperson Keith Ellison on borders. Uh, take a look at what he had to say about borders. And an undocumented worker is an exploited worker. That, that we just have to say that the, the 12 million undocumented people in the United States are, are here because somebody wants them to be, but they want them here to do the work, but they don't want them to get any rights. They don't want to pay them fairly. Really? They don't want them to mm-hmm. be able to uh, collective bar- bargain collectively. Mm-hmm. They don't want them to be able to get occupational safety and standards. Oh. And that is what's really going on. That's what's really going on. It's great that he knows what's really going on. So he knows a lot about these people that are employing all 12 million illegals in this country. All 12 million of them are here because somebody wants them to be. But they want them to be here to do the work, but they don't want to get them any rights. They don't want to pay them fairly. There's not a single good person employing an illegal alien in this country. That's amazing. You know who really doesn't want them? To make good wages? Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison doesn't want them to learn English, doesn't want them to gain skills, doesn't want them to be here legally so that they can succeed in this country. He's the one who's trying to keep them down. But he had more to say. Here it is. Labor, which is a regular person, cannot travel back and forth across the border. And so corporations, certain people who get certain rights, can go mm-hmm. back and forth across the border seeking out the lowest wages, but people, regular people, cannot go back and forth across the border seeking out the highest wages. So what it creates is an imbalance. It creates an injustice. Injustice. And, mm-hmm. what it, and, and it creates the need for something like a global Marshall Plan. Okay, these, these guys have become so extreme now that they're talking about America's national borders creating an injustice keeping Mexican workers from traveling to the United States looking looking for higher-paying jobs. Well, I mean, they must be making more than they could make where when they're at home. So there's some benefit to them. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't come here. <sighs> he also uh, claimed in this interview with progressive activist Rabbi Michael Lerner. Love it. That America's prosperity is based on the want that is experienced in other parts of the world and complained that people, regular people, can't go back and forth across the border seeking out the highest wages. Well, they do it all the time. They do it every day. What are you talking about? They go back and forth across that border all the time seeking higher wages in the United States. Otherwise, they don't come here. What are you talking about? Oh, this guy is so bad. This... (laughs) So bad. Catch the reference to the global Marshall Plan? Yeah. Okay, I've never heard of that, so I did some Googling. You know where that came from? It's a, and By the way, it gives specific ideas on how to save the global environment. It, oh. it was a plan first devised in a book known as Earth in the Balance by one um, Al- Albert Al- Gore. Uh, really? Yes. So the global uh. Marshall Plan... Earth in the Balance. Earth in the Balance by Al Gore. That's great. So he was wearing a T-shirt, Keith Ellison, calling for the elimination of national borders, uh, walking in a parade in May 
The next month, he posed for a picture next to a sign that read, No human being is illegal on stolen land. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. Um, first of all, it's just not true. Secondly, no human being is illegal on stolen land. We didn't steal this land. How do you figure we stole the land? We won it fair and square the way land is always won. In a war. In a war. You tell me the nation that didn't win the land that they're on right now in a war. Go ahead and tell them. T- tell, me the, tell me the land where they haven't fought wars and exchanged places and, and claimed territory that didn't previously belong to them. I've got one. Okay. I do. So this land was given to them, but now they have to fight the war every day to survive. Israel. Israel. <laughs> so they so yeah. they made the trade off. Instead of fighting the war to get the land, there was a uh, international consensus to the, give like, them back the land. The minute they were given the land, mm-hmm. though, a war was launched against them. So that's the trade off. You so, get to fight it every day. That's, it's unbelievable. I mean, first of all, Mexico uh, attacked us in the Mexican American War. That set it off. Okay, there was other all kinds of provocations. There was all kinds of oppression being done uh, to the people here in Texas at the time. But by the time the war started, they attacked us, we attacked them back, and we pushed them all the way past their capital city <laughs> and took their land from them. We didn't steal it. We won it in a war. And then not only that, did, not only did we sign the Treaty of Guadalupe, which ended the war, and gave them back Mexico... But we also, even though we had defeated them militarily, paid them another $15 million for the land that we now have. Don't tell me, don't you dare tell me that we stole that land. And and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent here, but as long as we're defending America, I love how the far leftists like Keith Ellison and Al Gore mention the global Marshall Plan. Well, what was the Marshall Plan? It was America at its post-war best. We kicked your ass, and now we're going to prop you up and take care of you when we mm-hmm. sure as hell don't have to. So I just find that very ironic that they're they're feeding off of that title, that plan, the Marshall Plan, to make their point about how much we suck and we got to go take care of the rest of the world. It's agonizing. It's agonizing. And so is losing weight and keeping it off at times. <laughs> it can be really hard. It can. And um, once you cross a certain age... I don't know, two. It's it's even harder. It's just, it's hard to lose weight and keep it off. And that's where Riduzone can help you. What is Riduzone? Well, it's a safe, natural, FDA-acknowledged dietary supplement. They took the good stuff in olive oil, you know, the OEA in there. The OEA has been shown to boost metabolism, and it reduces appetite. So there's this two-stage process that really that really makes a huge difference for you if you're struggling with losing weight. Get off that merry-go-round, that roller coaster. If you hit that age where nothing you seem to do works, or if it did work and then you just fall back into old habits, order Riduzone today and see if it doesn't help you. Riduzone.com. Enter the promo code PAT. Get 30% off a three-month supply. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E dot com. Promo code PAT to get 30% off your three-month supply. Time to make it happen. Let Riduzone help you get over the hump. Riduzone.com. Promo code PAT. You are listening to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. 
returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Ah, uh, this is this is funny stuff. <laughs> the Lady Parts Justice League has just launched a pro-abortion comedy tour. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Got some comedy here on abortion for you. There's nothing funnier than dead babies. <laughs> is there? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a pairing of comedy and grassroots abortion activism. That's wonderful. Following in the footsteps of Michelle Wolf and the radical feminist agenda to somehow make abortion funny, the group Lady Parts Justice League will be launching a pro-abortion comedy tour. Writing an op-ed for Teen Vogue, Solange Azor says the new comedy tour from LPJL... Mm. Of course, the Lady Parts Justice League. Like you know that, right? Founded by Daily Show creator Liz Winstead, will be about teaching young women to have fun when you're supporting abortion. Yes. <laughs> How can you not? Make it fun. Right? Killing babies. What? Is, is there anything better than that? What else are you going to do with your time? Even as a comedian, I was unsure that bridging the two, especially for a seemingly emotional topic like abortion, was a recipe for success. Hmm. Azor writes before going on to say she soon became convinced it was the right call. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't have been as convinced as maybe you are now. Lady Parts Justice League offers a new sort of abortion politics, one which incorporates the frequently obfuscated space of joy pleasure and relief yeah. in discussions about abortion of course i mean of course joy and pleasure i mean how happy are you gonna be when you know that you've just killed a baby yes i can't imagine the sheer joy that you must feel hmm. one that pushes its members to be intentional about their activism and ideology to find ways they can use their individual skills to support local abortion clinics and allies and have fun while doing it mm-hmm <laughs> that's great what took so long i mean if, if you think of it's like peanut butter and jelly mm-hmm. it's like uh, abortion and fun they go together like, just like bamalama ding dong or whatever in the, in greece oh that's good isn't that the song sure we go together like bamalam i don't know maybe yeah, I, a, think, I think it's a fever dream i'm having a fever dream peanut right butter now. and jelly came out maybe peanut else. butter and jelly works a little bit better little than bit. the bamalama ding dong thing i'm not sure <laughs> One of the many antics of this group that they perform is one that involves disrupting sidewalk counselors out to educate young women on the cruelty of abortion by doing obnoxious stunts like blaring Beyonce to overpower the chants from the stunned anti-abortion protesters and energize the enthusiastic clinic staff. Other stunts involve just plain shouting over pro-lifers and making jokes. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Think about this. Women... Young pregnant women are being counseled there, uh-huh. and uh, to to keep the baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is used as a as a as a tool to 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 have your little comedy fun and and I just I don't even understand this world. Now I, look, I I know that, and we've heard from we when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we heard from a lot of women who have actually had abortions in their past and are really. It's still hurting from it today uh, and really regretful. Some who, you know, have had a change of heart over time or some who just realized it, it was a really not great decision for them. And I know that there is that aspect of it. 
But how do you get to this point where you try to make a joke of it? Where you take life so flippantly when it means so little to you that you just joke about it and shout over people and make jokes? Uh, that is despicable. That, that's a whole different kind of evil. And there's a special place in South Hell for those people. LPJL, Lady Parts Justice League, shows just how brilliant a pairing comedy and grassroots abortion activism can be, she says. Since abortion clinics can be the site of violence... Good. When was the last time we heard anything about uh, abortion clinic violence? Brought on by right-wing people. And they love to bring up abortion doctors being shot or beaten or whatever. Mm -hmm. When was the last time this happened? I I can think of just two. And the reason I can is because it's so infrequent. It was that Kansas abortion doctor about, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, right? The one that Bill O'Reilly used to call... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think he was one. Yep, and then Eric Rudolph uh, with the bomb there uh, yeah. in Atlanta, or Birmingham. Uh, and it's like abortion cl- If you were to listen to these people, you would think abortion clinic bombings happen every day, all day. Look them up. They've happened, I don't know, not at all, I don't think, in years. And they're, And when they do happen, every Christian I know of, every single person, pro-life person, calls these people out for what idiots they are. Nobody supports that or condones that. No one. Since abortion clinics can be the site of violence, the Lady Parts Justice League also aims to bring joy in the form of barbecues, giant parking lot hot tub parties, and more. Wow. Azor admits the activism is about normalizing abortion as a regular practice. To be pro-abortion is to face your own potential, internalize stigma, and recognize that abortion should not be exclusively about access, but about normalizing a medical procedure and life process. <laughs> if you slit an adult's throat, that should be recognized as a medical procedure. Yeah, we're just performing a procedure on that person. Take a pair of scissors and jam it in the back of somebody's skull and suck out their brains. Yeah, just a little medical procedure. That's all that was. It does not mean you hope that every person has an abortion, but it means you advocate for the existence of abortion, not just the accessibility. It's kind of like being pro-bypass surgery. We love its existence. We appreciate the options it offers people. We aren't hoping our loved ones have to have one anytime soon. Right, but see, that's life-saving, not life-taking. And a little difference there between the two procedures. Idiots. By making abortion somehow funny, Azor says it will break the narrative of abortion being a painful experience for women. Yeah, you don't want them to think that. Again, you want it to be fun. Right? And funny. Because there's nothing funnier, again, than taking the life of a baby. So good that we're finding humor... Uh, inside evil. It's so despicable. It is it's just uh, unbelievable. There are no words, man. It's just so evil and despicable. And yet they've got, there's no shame in our society left at all. And, you know, you wonder where people 
are how they're able to show up at schools and start shooting people. I don't know, look at how we've desensitized everybody to everything, to every form of life. Look at how it's been desensitized. Look at how they're talking about abortion. You don't think kids are smart enough to noodle out that that's a life they're taking? So you're teaching them. Nah, there's no value there. There's no value there. Why worry about that? And they take no responsibility for that. And they think you're a kook if you even bring it up. Well, I'm sorry. They're the kooks. And they're evil. And it's time we call it what it is. Which is evil. 888-900-3393. And a pat unleashed on Twitter. But we'd certainly love to hear your thoughts. Back in 2011, Aaron Hale... Former Navy chef turned Army Explosive Ordnance Disposal Team leader was severely injured when disposing of an improvised explosive device. He was actually working on one and had it had it uh, completely taken apart. And then one next to him, underneath him, detonated that they didn't know about. It just, and it messed Aaron up. He lost his eyesight. He lost most of his hearing. He went through a couple of different surgeries. He did the cochlear implant, which didn't work in one ear because there was too much damage. So then they had to do it in the other ear, and it restored a little bit of his hearing after he learned how to rehear in the world. I mean, this man has been through so much. Oh, he's been through so much. And he had a cake job. Right. Just cooking for an admiral, going all over the world. It was really cool. So anyway, for a while, he was in virtual darkness and silence. And so he took up cooking again as a way to like do therapy and he started producing so much delicious fudge his wife was like okay we we can't have this around the house we're going to be 200 pounds 400 pounds 800 pounds so they started distributing it to neighbors and they all loved it and wanted to buy it and so now you can too use the offer code blaze at checkout go to eodfudge.com offer code blaze get 10 percent off your order Forget the flowers, go with the chocolate. This is fantastic. Absolutely delicious stuff. We loved this stuff when it was here. EODFudge.com. Offer code BLAZE. Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Here. It is uh Pat Gray Unleashed. Janine Pirro appeared on the view today. That had to be fun. Um, because you know those ladies love their Trump, and so does Janine Pirro. This is gonna be a good mixture here. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I mean. Seriously. Seriously, Janine Pirro from Fox, who is a total Trump apologist. <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless her heart. She is all about Donald Trump. She is one of the most uh, Trump-tastic, Trump-tastic uh, Trump supporters in the world, don't you think? Oh, yeah. She's as Trump-tastic oh, yeah. as it gets. Uh, I'm not sure if it's her or Hannity, but it's pretty close between the two of them for Trump-tasticness. 
Um, but she's she just wrote a book, and uh, the View uh, crew wants to know why she wrote it. And here's how she starts in. Well, I wrote the book because uh, I have. I'm not an ideologue. I mean, mm-hmm. I have been in the crime business for over three decades, and I think I said that before. And I know a con when I see it. And I think that what has happened in the last... I think that what has happened truly... Okay, so that audience, obviously, they've been, they've been trained to hate Trump's guts. So the laughter is starting already because she said she knows a con when she sees it and they're all believing. Yeah, no, you're not. The guy you support is the biggest con there is. You know that's what's going on. Oh, yeah. Right? So In the last campaign. And everybody needs to be concerned about that. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind. And when you start creating fake uh, investigations, fake counterintelligence, you saw it yourself with Peter Strzok, who comes out and basically says he hates the president and he's going to take care of everything they then go to a judge and get a warrant that's a problem for me the and it should be a problem can i ask you just said yeah. warrant, look i've been a judge i signed those things the warrant was based on a fake document by an opposing mm. candidate in a national presidential race okay that is absolutely true that's absolutely true uh, the whole dossier from Russia that was based on on the Clintons coming together and trying to put something together against him, mm-hmm. and so that whole what he did in Moscow thing, there's not one ounce of truth to it, and you know that because if there were, it would be everywhere. We would have seen it. They'd be using it to get rid of this guy. So this is all true, and it's pretty hard to dispute any of it. I would say. And this is what happens was in not third only world based on that, countries. and you know that. I do know. I, it is Jane, you just said that. you're not an ideologue. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not. I am in law let me, enforcement. Let me ask you the question. Right and do you think um, Do you think Donald Trump embraces and embodies conservative ideology? No. Remember, yeah. he used to Please be. Please say no. Uh, have a different position on pro choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's imposing mm-hmm. tariffs. He's against right. globalism. Do you think he is an ideologue that is faithful to conservative policies? You know, no. I'm not here to talk about what Donald Trump is and isn't. But you I'm not talking about it. No, you got no, to answer I'm the question. Okay. You want to talk about Donald Trump. You tell me what metric in this country is worse off. Unemployment is lower than it's been in 50 years. Minorities, right. Hispanics, African Americans. She's got a smattering of applause there. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's like three conservatives in the crowd mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay guys I, are we safe to do this or did hopefully nobody saw us clap for that buddy system know. when we go out to our cars in the right. parking lot can we get some police escort over here please please help us have because jobs, president hate, crime. Crime. Hate, stop hate crimes are what and wait a minute the gdp under obama Come was on. barely one we're going up to four so you want to talk about no, hate yeah, crime? i'm telling you about a metric for a law I, for hate crime i also you, think it's important as we said 89 percent of the republican party still supports true. him he still has huge popularity in the country and if democrats don't get their you know what together he's certainly going well, to get reelected. here's my question for you here's my question for you because you talk about you talk i am not judge nobody is oh yeah did you just point at me? Yeah. Listen, I don't have Trump derangement. Let me tell you what I have. Okay. I have a lot of, I'm tired of people starting a conversation with Mexicans or liars and rapists. I'm tired of people. Oh, because that happens all the time. Now, how many conversations start with Mexicans or liars and rapists? 
I, Trump didn't start the conversation with that either. Mm-mm. He, you know, he speaks in hyperbole, and I mean, if you're talking about that announcement clear back what three years ago during the campaign, yeah. where he said they come across, they come across the border, they're rapists, they're killers, whatever. He was, he didn't, and everybody knows this. I mean, he that was a time when he did misspeak. There is there a single person who believes. That Donald Trump thinks every person who comes across the border is a rapist or killer? Stop it. Can we just be reasonable on this? Come on now. Uh. Starting a conversation about this country. Listen, I'm 62 years old. There have been a lot of people in office that I didn't agree with, but I have never, ever seen anything like this. I've never seen anybody whip up such hate. I've never Barack seen Obama. anybody be so dismissed. Yeah, because you had your eyes closed for the entire Obama administration who took us back at least 60 years in race relations. At least. We were not at each other's throats based on race in 2008. When we finally came clear of that guy in 2016... He had left race relations in this nation a shambles. It was pathetic what he did to this country. It was an outrage. Despicable. Agonizing. And I, and clearly you don't watch the show, so you don't know that I don't suffer from that. What I suffer from is mm. the inability Stupidity. to figure out how you to fix from. this. That's my issue. But mm-hmm. one of the things that you talk about a lot, and I'm curious about it, is the deep state. How long has the deep state been there, and who's running it? Well, the, the, I want to answer your question, because you gave... I you had to ask no, you a question. You had I, your I, opening I, statement, which was how horrible it is, that Donald Trump no, is talking no, no, about that's all what you, of these I'm people. sorry, you baby, that's what, what you horrible. said. You said, Whoopi, you know you said that it, it was okay. When people shouldn't be here end it's, up murdering the children of American citizens. You know what's horrible? What's when, horrible when the president of the United States whips up people to beat the hell out of people. Say goodbye. Oh, man. Okay, so they had three minutes of yelling and screaming over each other. Oh, that's constructive. And then she kicked her out. That's a fun segment. See, that's the kind of stuff I I just, I don't even like. I can't watch that as a rule. Um, When it degrades to that point, Whoopi is just yelling nonsense. Janine Pirro will defend absolutely anything the president does. How do we get beyond that point and just have real discussions with people? How do we do that? It would be really nice if we were actually trying to figure that part out because that's the only way we're going to survive and not lead to civil war like 48% of Americans think we're headed towards within the next five years. And you just got a really good example of why they think we're headed that direction in five years. Because we just can't quite to seem to come together on the anything. We, for, Anything. Forget coming together. We can't communicate with yeah, one we another. Yeah, can't. Right. It's rough, man. And, it, I mean, a ridiculous statement when Whoopi Goldberg says she doesn't have Trump derangement syndrome. Of course she does. Please. They, she hates his guts. You can tell the animosity in her voice. She hates him with a powerful passion. 
Listen, I don't have Trump derangement. Let me tell you what I have. I'm tired of people starting a conversation with Mexicans or liars and rapists. How many times have you heard? What do you mean you're tired of it? How many times have you heard it? Who said it? (laughs) Wow. And there was a time and some issues on which you could actually talk to Whoopi Goldberg. Sometimes. Sometimes race was one of those. I think taxes is another because she's a millionaire and she doesn't want 60% of her money being taken from her. (laughs) If we could just find a couple issues where we could agree, maybe we can get past this roadblock. I don't know. Man. But the tensions are so high right now. I mean, look at this. In a, a big gallery, an art gallery in Portland, they have posted a Trump beheading painting. Uh, it's a graphic painting of Trump being beheaded with a knife to his throat. The image and language are both disturbing. The painting includes underneath it the words F Trump, actually spelling out the word. Oh, lovely. That's not Trump derangement syndrome. No. That's just I'm tired of people calling Mexican rapists. That's all. A man named Bret Hart first posted a photo to Facebook of the painting as it appeared uh, on a window. Wow, he said. Saw this today on the 10th. Man, is that sending a peaceful tolerance message? Good question. If you have small children, imagine the conversation this is going to lead to. So outrage grew online and the gallery actually did take down the image after receiving... Threats, they say. Sure. I get so tired of people using that threats thing. Shut up. I mean, are there goofballs, idiots who will sometimes throw out threats that are completely meaningless? Yes. But get in line. We get threats every day emailed to us, tweeted to us, texted to us. Wait, but you don't get threats because texted to you because you never check your phone. Well, if I accidentally look at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's usually a threat there. Uh, And it's usually from you because I haven't answered your text and now you're threatening me. Yep. Uh, Portland police spokesman Christopher Burley asked whether police have received complaints about the painting. Said, I've looked for calls in this area of Portland from uh, July 1st to the present. I have located (laughs) no complaints about the one gallery, one grand gallery. No one's threatening anyone. Stop. No threats. But also, apparently, nobody was even complaining about right. the beheading of the president of the United States. Now, if that's Obama, mm-hmm. I mean, it's racist, it's dangerous, it's violent rhetoric. And if the museum, mm. if the gallery was getting threats, then they would obviously have reached out to the police. And told them, hey, we're getting threatened over art. Right. And that is not on and record not with the, the Portland PD. It's not the case. Because as a rule, conservatives have better things to do than whine about this stuff. Or go um, to art galleries. Yes. I, I probably, that's probably what it was. It was like it was a tree uh, fall in the forest. You know, this one guy was probably lost on his way back home. And he ended up going through mm-hmm. the art gallery district there in Portland. I was like, whoa, I got to put this on Facebook. If not for this guy taking a wrong turn, the world would have never known. 
888-933-93. Okay, again, tonight is the night. Mm. The big financial freedom, potentially financial freedom seminar. Mm. Uh, one of the most important messages you could ever hear on cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin's the big the big boy on the block, of course, because it's at 7,400 a coin. Sheesh. Um, you know, one of the cool things about Bitcoin in the beginning was you could mine them. And if you got in on the start of that, <laughs> back in the day when there were 21 million available or whatever it was, uh, there are people who are wildly wealthy, who paid zero dollars for it and got a bunch of coins. Wow. He says, I asked Tika Tuari about that today, about mining. He's like, no, it's so expensive. He said, you, you have to have so much equipment to get that done. It's got to be such an intensive process. He said there are companies pumping in thirty million a year to do this. And like, whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, remember wow. that guy who called us, and we were just we kind of brushed him off. At least I did. He's like, boy, that takes way too much electricity to be mining. And we were just yeah. like, whatever. And we right. looked it up. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's ridiculous. You ain't kidding? Yeah, the the kind of investment you need in technology and and power and all the things, computation ability. It's just, it's beyond uh, most of us now. And I guess uh, if you find them, they come in blocks of 12 and a half. So you get 12 and a half. <laughs> if that goes to $40,000 by the end of the year, wow. uh, you're, you're doing pretty well. Uh-huh. But, okay, you're not going to mine any. So what are you going to do? Are you going to invest? Are you going to buy one? Are you going to buy part of one? Are you going to buy 10? Maybe you can figure that out tonight. Go to BeckCryptoShow.com. It's a free event. You don't have to pay anything. However, you do have to register. So Glenn will be interviewing Tika Tuari from Palm Beach Letter. They're going to walk you through the new case because there is one for Bitcoin. There's a lot of things that are starting to develop for Bitcoin behind the scenes that are going to catapult this. He says by the end of the year to at least 40000 making 7400 a pretty good investment right now. But, you know, listen to him tonight. See what you think. Go over it. Do your own homework in addition to everything he tells you. And then, uh, who knows? Plus, you'll get exclusive free training on all of it where you could turn a few hundred dollars into a small fortune by investing across the broad range of cryptos. He's going to give it all to you tonight. Go to BeckCryptoShow.com and register for this free special event so you don't miss out. BeckCryptoShow.com Pat Gray Unleashed The Blaze Radio Network Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, uh. All right, 888-933-93, and I pat unleashed. Um, you know, how many times have we said, let your kids know how uh, impactful to the rest of their life their social media can be, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of that stuff, it's forever, and it can always come back to haunt you, and people... Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Milwaukee Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Josh Hader, who is now 24 years old, starting pitcher in 
the major league uh, in Major League Baseball an all star. He is now uh, being ordered to sensitivity training for some tweets that he tweeted out when he was 17 years old. What does that have to do with anything that is happening in his life now? Absolutely nothing. He says it. His team says it. Everybody says it. Yet still, he ha- he's been sentenced to sensitivity training. <laughs> Come, He was a stupid teenager. But somebody, apparently, for some reason, dug up old tweets. I, I, I'm going to get this guy. Maybe somebody jealous of him in high, you know, because he's made something of his life now, and uh, maybe they haven't since high school. And so they thought, hey, didn't he tweet out something insensitive, racially offensive, homophobic in nature? And so they went digging, found it, and released it. Hater says uh, he was young, immature, and stupid when he sent those tweets. There's no excuse for what was said. I'm deeply sorry for what I've said and what was going on. It doesn't reflect any of my beliefs right now. I was in high school. We're still learning who we are in high school. You live and you learn. This mistake won't happen again. So at least he hasn't been fired by his team, but his team did send him to sensitivity training or whatever. But another great example to give to your kids of how important it is not to do that stuff. Just don't do it. And you avoid a lot of heartache later on in life. Yeah, ones and zeros are forever. They really are. Much as you don't want them to be, they really are. Uh, 888-900-3393. Also, uh, President Trump did an interview with Jeff Glore yesterday from, I think, ABC. You know, all these network newscasts have new people on them now, and I'm kind of unfamiliar with all of them including Jeff Glar but he was uh he did get he scored an interview with the president and they talked a little bit about the about the press conference with Vlad Saturday you told us uh, your doctrine is strength and achieving right. peace through strength right after Helsinki right. uh Lindsey Graham said you show weakness Oh boy. Oh no. uh, well, Lindsey Graham, you're going to have most to. Serious let, let me just let me just I, I totally disagree. I think I did great at the news conference. I th- he thinks he did great at the news conference. Oh, no, I got another follow-up, Mr. President. Okay. You disagree that that was the worst part of your presidency? Uh, follow-up, then. Uh, what was, in your opinion, then, if not that? That would have been a good follow-up. <laughs> okay. yep. I think it was a strong conference. You have people no, that said you should have gone up to him, you should have walked up and uh, started screaming in his face. Then he does that kind of stuff. You got people saying, who said that? I didn't see anyone say that. Nobody. I haven't. I have heard zero people say you should have walked up and started screaming in his face. But he likes to do that hyperbole rather than just being real and laying out the case. Uh, We're living in the real world, uh-huh. okay? okay? Who gives you the best advice when you come back and you read all these stories and you say you don't know what the fuss is all about? Who, who do you well, talk to? I, I will tell you, I, I don't know what the fuss is all about. I think we did extremely well. And, extremely uh, I think well. the press makes up the fuss. Look, it's fake no. news and people <laughs> understand. I think the press largely makes up... <laughs> A lot of the fuss about a lot of things, and I'm not talking about mm. one of it. I'm talking about everything. Mm. You know, there's some truth to that. The press does make a big deal out of things mm. that aren't. This is not one of those times. Uh, to me, this was the worst. This was the worst point of his presidency as well. 
He did not do extremely well. He did not do great at the press conference. And to deny that reality is, it, it harms his credibility. Yeah, there you go. Not only is it delusional, but it harms his credibility, more importantly. But if you disagree with him, fake news. I, and I hate that expression. I wish we could just leave that in the trash heap of history. The, <laughs> fake, the fake news thing should never, never be mentioned again. Okay? The fake news media, the... Uh, it's just created this whole little sort of cottage industry of pushing out that narrative. I hate it. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Also, this is a really good idea for cities all over the country. We need to follow San Francisco's example on a lot of things. We, we do? Yeah, let people start pooping in the street. Uh, you know, okay. it saves a lot in toilet paper. You don't have to... Oh. You don't have to build toilets anymore. And the water you save on flushing. Thank you. Wow. You're on to something. Get down on global warming, my friend. Uh Uh-huh. Now they've begun registering non-citizens, illegal aliens, to register to vote in the November election. Now, they can't so far vote in a national election, but they're voting for city school board. How is it possible that you think it's a good idea for people who are not legal citizens of this country to vote? That seems okay to anybody. So, again, this is the extent to which San Francisco has gone down the proverbial toilet. Absolutely. Although I don't think the word toilet is in Proverbs, technically mm, speaking. I see what you did there. See what I did? Well, you went, you went <laughs> Bible deep. Uh, <laughs> but the county supervisor said, we want to give immigrants the right to vote. It's the right thing to do. Uh, again, how can you be a Democrat at this point? How? 888 Use that tomorrow. We will see you back here on Pack Grand Unleashed. And don't forget the big seminar, the webinar tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern with Glenn and Tika Tuari. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.